everybody, welcome to This Is About Movies. Episode 7? I think so. I pulled that out of nowhere. I think it's 7. It's probably 7. It's 7 now. How about that? It Even is. if we already had a 7, this is 7 part this 2. This is 7 now. Or 7 part 1. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Today we're going to be talking about Dune. Dune. The movie we all waited how many years for? I don't know. I, I guess we 40, I think, since the last good one. <laughs> or or 40 never. since the last good one? <laughs> or since he made like the Like we just yeah. have like... There's just always going to be another Dune film, and it's like, ah, oh, the last one sucked. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, maybe. So, the maybe. last one sucked so bad, it took us 40 years to recover. <laughs> and Hollywood's just like never, never allowing them to make another one until they do 40 years later. Yeah. Um, if this is your first time joining us, this podcast is very conversational. Yeah. So much so that uh, even though this podcast in particular this episode is <laughs> about to dune. be about movies in we, general <laughs> we may not talk about dune we may not we'll even see. end up talking about any movie at all the entire time i mean That's i doubt correct. it but it uh, we possible. will warn you ahead of time that we are going to spoil dune at least part one yeah we're gonna try and stay away from uh spoiling what might happen in part two uh but <laughs> that's mostly for randy but aside from <laughs> dune and my own personal rule of not spoiling the remainder of oh, Sopranos. the Sopranos. Everything's uh, up All for bets grabs. are off, and we may spoil anything and everything in the podcast. It's true. We will try and warn you, but really briefly, so be ready to hit the pause button. Apologies if you're listening in your car. Uh, you can still hit the pause button. Yeah. Or just, like, know. slam on your brakes, pull over the side of the road. That's probably you the best course of action. Yeah. Like, I'm, don't spoil this for me. Yeah. Emergency. Make sure you throw your arm out in front of your yeah. kids so that yeah, they don't yeah. hit the dash when you hit the... Yeah, that's good. All right, well, let's jump right into Dune. Here we go. Uh, we've got some special guests with us here today. We uh, we saw the film with a couple friends of ours. At least one of them is a Dune expert. At least one is. We'll let you figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we've got Robbie Brown with us and Caleb Westbrook. This is the most we've had on the podcast so yeah, far. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe we should apologize in advance. We probably should. Who knows what the audio is going to sound like, but we hope the conversation is quality. Or, or I mean, maybe it's just quantity. You know? Yeah, maybe you guys really should. You guys time. should talk because we introduced you, but no one actually <laughs> knows you're here. So <laughs> they're, they're not here. It's just me and you, and we have. We're like just a like, yeah, we have friends, and. Uh, <laughs> The first thing I want to hear is the non-Dune experts take on the movie. Oh gosh! I, I so that you know, can come in and just crush. Well, no, not yeah, crush I was, anything. <laughs> I was I wondering crush anything. like what a person who knew nothing about it would yeah. think about the movie. That's why I'm well, here. Well, there's, there's, that's where Robbie comes I in. I want to so. know what you think the movie was about and what you think <laughs> happened. Yeah, even what, <laughs> like, what do you think that movie was even about? <laughs> yeah, because so my perception is going to be wildly different. That is true. Um, that's a big question. It is. I loved it immensely. Probably too much. <laughs> <laughs> I I can find no fault in it. Oh, okay. <laughs> um I'm I really enjoyed it. Um yeah. So just I, just plot points. What happened? Plot points? Yeah. Or like where, well, just where what did you think it was gonna be about from the trailer? Yeah. That's well, I actually start. kind of picked up on a lot. I knew it was like family is in charge of. It's all about family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I was wondering where the Coronas were, but you know, I hear I Vin Diesel is going to be in the in part, in part two. two. I should have gotten a less directional mic. 
This thing is designed for like you can't move. <laughs> yeah, it literally is designed for like live stuff where you're just mm-hmm. right in front of. If I turn sideways, I'm like, I, it gets. Oh Robbie, yeah, Robbie, like, yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like he left the room and he was trying to talk. Yeah. Oh, you just moved three inches. Yep, that's what. That's why this mic is great for what it is designed for. <laughs> um, this is a sure beta fifty-seven A. I don't know if this is sponsored by Sure. I don't know if you say that. This is a Sennheiser. We sure <laughs> do have a lot of mics. We're sponsored by uh, Hot Pockets and Dasani at this point. <laughs> <laughs> My take on the movie. I I, um, I knew it was about a fi- like a family that was a big deal and was dubbed in charge of a planet that has been um, a problem planet for a long time and that they have like the biggest export it's very valuable. And because of the trailer, I figured Oscar Isaac died. <laughs> <laughs> um, they do they didn't sort hide of that give it away. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's, there, that's there at a least well known from the book. Which yeah. actually made me think that it was going to happen pretty quick because yeah. of how yeah. they portrayed in the trailer. I assume that too. Um, but they they really don't. We, we can get into the how they kind of yeah. break it up a little bit later, but they, they really dragged that whole first part out yeah. pretty, pretty far. Yeah. I I'm just trying to think. Because it's a lot, but it also, yeah, I just think it was great. So family. Takes over a planet. Takes over a planet. export. Yeah. The the emperor kind of set him up for failure. Yep. All kinds of stuff. So this is all trailer talk. Yes. These are things talk. that you knew yes. from the trailer. Um, Did you get the sense that it's in our future? Uh, it, I don't think that matters. Uh, it does a little bit. A little actually. bit, yeah. Okay, well. There's some cool lore that they don't touch yeah, on. Yeah. But I'll let yeah. you. You'll you'll know more than I will. <laughs> Dune expert. Yeah. And, it, and did too. you get, like, did anything, that the fact that it's supposed to be in our future, did that, was it weird that there's no computers or anything like that? Um, Did that even cross your mind? Did you even notice yeah. that there weren't computers? Did you well, even notice is what I'm really asking you. Yeah. I think the big thing is there's a little bit of meta- gaming happening that i just know the book was written in 65 and the kind of oh no he intentionally like wrote yeah. out uh, there were computers, computers and stuff i can, I can yeah. lore explain real that really quick i guess i just didn't that. think yeah. about it because it has the very much like super tech but also very analog tech yeah, yeah. kind of like star wars and blade runner let's do it let's do our first lore dump lore <laughs> dump <laughs> Hit the stinger. Dear, dear <laughs> resident uh, Dune expert. <laughs> it's because of something called the Butlerian Jihad, I believe is how you should say that. Mm-hmm. AI took over, and there was a war against robots. And after the humans triumphed, they outlawed the use of AI or any computers, really. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's why there are none. So and that's why you have super smart, wide-eyed. Yeah. Calculator, it makes sense. Like tapped into like the full computers, like extent of the human ability to do anything. I was about to ask what those people were. It's not magic. Yeah, those were awesome. That's why you have computer man. Yeah, and like his whole yeah, and everything. I kind of figured. I thought they were like cyborgish things, but they're called mintats. That's all. Just and they have a black lip tattoo. They do. Mm-hmm. That way, if there's ever another uprising, the Blade Runners know exactly who they're going <laughs> for. <laughs> they're already pre-marked, yeah. Um, <laughs> That's nice of them. Jeremiah, you and I have both read the first book a while ago. Yeah, I'm, uh, 
you, partially in the second book. The second. I oh, haven't yeah. read the second. And then Caleb, you're on what, I'm book five. Four deep. Yeah. Four. So I'm. Well, I've read four. Okay. And I have. I have like gone to like, you know, YouTube people talk about summaries and stuff of it, but yeah, not like actually read the book. But I would say I'm familiar with at least the first two or mm-hmm. three, but um. It just it starts getting weird. I just quit listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, what did you think of the film? Not necessarily in in regard like in relation to the book, but just in general. Just what do you think of the film? I thought it was what like amazing. Uh, I I would really be one of those people who's under the impression like or would say like this is a book that you literally can't make a movie. But I think he did it. Like uh, the the who's the first guy not. It wasn't Burton film. David, David Lynch. Lynch. Yeah, Lynch, yeah. Uh, they're both the same. I, I don't like. That <laughs> I, I um, disagree. <laughs> Strong disagreement. <laughs> I don't like either one of those. Yeah, but it, like even that, it was awful, and it was just like, blah, 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 blah. and you're like, what did I just watch? And it was like two hours. This movie's two and a half hours, and it deals with half less than half. Yeah, of, of yeah. what that movie just like it just like like forced you all the way through at like light speed, and it's like. Did you really get like what Dune was about by watching that two-hour summary of the book? Um, That's why it took us forty years to recover. We had yeah, to yeah. <laughs> really go back to the drawing board. Well, there was there was the nineties thing. There's a, yeah, there was a TV show. Yeah, yeah, about the third book. Yeah, but in the nineties, like people weren't really sure if TV was like <laughs> legit. If I can, I even watch TV. Like, well, I guess point. it was like I guess I don't know when did. When did when did TV get good? When Lost came out? No, in the nineties, but like <laughs> like stuff like The Sopranos didn't really come out to the late nineties, and then I know there was other good yeah, stuff. Yeah, well, actually, like uh, yeah, Sopranos might have started turning that around, yeah. and then Lost came in. I was like, you can do big budget stuff and tell a like serialized week to week story, mm-hmm. and now uh, that's all we have. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> we should swing back the other way. <laughs> swing back the other way. We should find a happy medium. Mm. I love yeah. I loved Lost though. Love Mason Lost. Um, <laughs> Lost Dune. Dune Lost. Um, no, like he out of the park, dude. This guy, I don't know. It, it like crazy. Uh, you get such a feel for the world, and like even that's kind of why I was asking the question too. Uh, like, what was your sense of the film, knowing nothing about it? And even though like he didn't go into all that deep lore. This guy's a mentat. He's a human computer. The reason they don't have computers is because there was a Belarus jihad where they got all the AI and they wiped them out. Like, yeah. you don't have to know all that. And he somehow found a way to insert you in this world where all that, like, all that stuff happened. And you either get a grasp on it or you don't really need it, f- at least for this film. And he can tell that whole story. Yeah, and like it blew my, it really did blow my mind. Uh, watching this, the fact that he took that grand sweeping narrative and condensed it, even like even like the part, the amount that he took into two and a half hours, and it was like a cohesive story. It made sense. You didn't get lost at any point. It wasn't hard to follow. And on top of it, every shot is stupidly beautiful <laughs> and it's just true. like you just look at the screen and you're like what am i looking at and even uh last night robbie was saying 
uh, there, we watched it in IMAX, so we were looking at like what a sixty foot screen. Mm-hmm. So fifty nine feet of it is this giant spaceship, and then he said he looked over in the court, like took his eyes purposefully off of the ship, taking up ninety nine percent of the screen, and looked over in the corner. And there's a teeny little human, and you're like, the ship's that big, holy cow! <laughs> but yeah, it looks it, the whole thing. It just looks beautiful, and uh, I'm really proud, really glad that they got. Um, the Witcher Three soundtrack people, yes. <laughs> and they pulled him back for another yes. for another project. I'm really glad they're still kicking. Uh, they made it through COVID. Um, I want to actually touch on that really quick. Not the Witcher Three thing, but the uh, <laughs> um, the um, the music, the, the scale. Actually, well, yes, the music. We'll talk about the music probably. Um, but the scale. I started on HBO today just to see the differences. Mm. I was curious to see if they included the IMAX shots. Most of the film isn't, I, I would say most of it's in probably in IMAX, but there's definitely some stuff that's just 16 by 9 uh, or whatever they're... they're 235. Uh, yeah, yeah, 235. Uh, was it really that wide? It didn't seem that wide. It was. It was? Okay. It was because it was the size of my house. Just the screen was so <laughs> big it didn't feel, but yeah. Um, so I I wanted to like just see if they included it, and they don't. All the IMAX shots are not included on HBO. Um, it stays that 235 to 1 aspect ratio the entire time. So there's definitely stuff that's like, it's obviously not important stuff, but it's it's like, it's stuff that allows you to feel like you're there. And mm-hmm. I have a fairly decent sized TV, and it pales in comparison <laughs> to what we experienced at the IMAX. Like not just in visuals, stuff is still big on the TV, but even, and I have an okay sound system, but it doesn't, it doesn't even freaking come close. Like nothing, yeah. like it's wild. Like they, they made this movie for the IMAX theater. Yeah, they absolutely um, I mean, for theaters in general, and, and I get it. There's like a lot of push right now to get people back in theater seats and, and I'm all for that. Um, but I'm also aware that there's a lot of people that just aren't going to go back. And so I'm glad personally that they're putting it on HBO, but just to be just straight up honest about it, like you're missing yeah, out. you were watching a completely different. Film. Yeah, I did. I did the. I did the <laughs> so. same thing. I woke up today, watched it. I watched it fully all the way through again in okay. HBO. Uh, so on jealous. HBO. Um. Yeah, you're really missing. Like, like it just feels completely different. It's still like a good movie, and I'm glad I can watch it on HBO and remind myself of seeing it in IMAX and the scale <laughs> of it. But yeah, like if you saw it first time, you're really not getting a sense of it at all uh especially like the shots where they're like in outer space mm-hmm. and then you see the monster ship mm-hmm. and then it's releasing the tiny little ships that are the size of a pixel and then you go down to the like the planet side and those little pixel ships are the size of 40 yeah. <laughs> houses stacked <laughs> on top of each other and you're like oh man uh i guess that gives me a little bit of sense of the scale of it but yeah, in an IMAX where it's like, boom, boom, and you're like, oh, geez, these things are huge. Yeah, uh, you you do miss at least a little bit of it, but it's still good. Like, yeah. still, watch it anyway, but go to IMAX. But go to an IMAX, yeah. <laughs> and we, had, we got really lucky with this one. I feel like the IMAX we got to was, was really nice. Um, one of my favorite moments in the whole experience was watching the – Top Gun trailer <laughs> yeah. because the the jet like comes it feels like it comes from underneath the seats it really and yeah. then flies out from underneath you and then comes from the bottom of the screen but it like you can feel the like vibrations like rippling underneath you and going out onto the screen it was like ooh I was like oh this yeah, is gonna be awesome I was like I didn't know where a D box not just this movie but like this is gonna be awesome for Dune because that was like 
They just had a really great setup. But. I I don't get motion sick. But watching the Top Gun trailer, I oh. actually was like, yeah, oh, <laughs> I literally feel like I'm moving. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. I think there was one girl like in the audience ahead of us a couple rows when, when he did some flyby. She literally went, "Woo!" <laughs> <laughs> I did that when we saw Oscar Isaac at the table. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's funny. <laughs> Caleb, what do you think? And I don't, I don't want you to like necessarily feel like you have because you're the resident expert i don't want you to feel like you have to constantly compare everything to the book you may want to and if you do that's totally fine um but in a vacuum just to start off what'd you think of the film it was really good i was worried other people would feel like we were just sprinting like Mm. because i know where all of those things were in the book it felt like we were covering so much ground so quickly i was worried that some people that had no idea anything about the world would feel like they just were drowning in all of the mm. world building, but it doesn't seem like that has been the case. No, um, I don't think so. I thought it was handled super well. That's good. But overall, it was pretty good. Some of the things were definitely not decisions that I would have made, but I'm not Denis, and they worked pretty well. So yeah. especially the voice, mm. I feel like, it was a little bit more aggressive than I ever would have imagined. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. yeah, it was super aggressive. In the book, it feels more like you're just, the person is speaking so like sternly that it just mm-hmm. gets all the way to the core of a person. Well, even but sternly, like, I don't know. To me, that's a connotation of like yeah, maybe so. super aggressive. Yeah. yeah. So it's just like, it's so level, like their voice is so mm-hmm. resolute that it just it's those animal instincts. Like, yeah, I'll do that. And mm-hmm. forces you to, like, <laughs> do what they said. So the voice was really weird, but it made Paul's freak out in the tent a million times better than it is in the book, mm. in my opinion. I thought in the book, it's like because you're reading a paragraph for every one of those images you see that he sees in the tent, you lose some of the, like, Right word. urgency yes that, that urgency mm-hmm. and like intensity of what he's going through because you're reading so many pages for like a minute and a half of mm-hmm. real time but in the movie you get to see what he sees and go through all those things and then when he yells at her it's just like he's terrifying like mm-hmm. you feel the same fear that she does watching him become something that she can't control and anything anymore mm-hmm. as as an outsider who I was introduced to the voice when they were eating breakfast. I understood it just because of how they presented it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I thought it was cool. Also, I can't think of specific uh, instances, but there's so many like like fake out cuts almost, not in a bad way, like in a cool way where it's like you see, they talk in the voice and it's like you see them do it and then it cuts to, oh, they didn't kind of thing or like, oh, they did. Mm-hmm. And... That almost made it, in my brain, it almost felt like the person hearing it doesn't feel a difference. So it's not like audibly that stern. It's not perceived that way. That's Mm -hmm. how I took it is like they're having to do that. But if we were watching objectively from like just the corner, we wouldn't really even know they were talking a specific way. Yeah, It's just how it made me feel. I was wondering how that would have played too if they just made it like a... Like a gentle like yeah. persuasion kind of thing. Like, well, I mean, maybe you wouldn't have even known yeah. 
they were doing it and then it's like oh that guy cut that other guy's throat oh she used the voice yeah i get it they probably would have had to explain what it was rather than just show what it was yeah i thought the whole thing over breakfast was really good because it actually was quite soft there wasn't a lot of like intensity to it compared to later on when there's like violent tasks (laughs) that are being (laughs) undertaken um but especially i mean i feel like maybe you I feel like you guys will agree, but I feel like the best iteration of that was when he's with the Bene Gesserit. And she um, uses it on and him. And she uses it on him. And yeah. it is extremely forceful, so much that he like lurches forward mm-hmm. and doesn't realize that he's like completed a series of tasks to get yeah. to where he is. And he's like, oh, I'm offended. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, but it's like the, the, like, that's <laughs> another offended. thing. Like, <laughs> the sound in that scene, yes, that whole scene, you feel the power <laughs> in her voice. Um, and it makes her terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I think something that they do, and this is just from my perspective of like, you, you know, there's a lot of lore they don't get into, mm-hmm. but they tease at it. They hint at like this pla- this world, not just Arrakis, but this universe is much bigger than we're letting on. And little things like that. And the fact that they don't just explain everything about yeah. the Bene Gesserit or all that stuff, like I think leaves so much mystery in like the best possible way. And I think that a lot of the a lot of that that history and things like that, like it isn't necessary for us to understand what's all the important beats of the story. It's one of those things where it's like, now I can go read the book or someone who hasn't read the book Mm -hmm. can go and read the book and be delighted by all the amazing and wonderful things they're gonna find there. But they didn't need all that in the film. It's hard for me not to compare it to Lord of the Rings. Yeah. In that way where Star Wars has all this lore that's, like, made up. Yeah. (laughs) All lore is made up, but it's like, oh, that movie was great, and then fans just run with it, and then someone... There's a lot of fan fiction. Yeah. Someone's like, oh, that's canon. That's not, like, kind of thing. But the way that... I've never read Lord of the Rings, but I know a crap ton about it. Um, <laughs> like way more than I should for someone who <laughs> just seen the movies. The books, yeah. I've just seen the movies. I prefer the theatrical cut, but I can still like you know tell you how like Eru Iluvatar like in the <laughs> in the Malar like sang the Middle Earth into being. <laughs> but so all that stuff like if you watch Lord of the Rings, you're like that was dope. The world is huge, and then it's like you don't even know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it the people that do know it lets on intentionally where it is that stuff like random person watching it has no clue what they're in for doesn't need to know that for the story we're viewing but the people that do know the world already they like leave the breadcrumbs of like oh that happened in the world you're watching we're just we don't have time for that like (laughs) yeah so those of us that have read the books is there anything that they didn't include that you felt either was like, oh, they, it was a missed opportunity or uh, was just like, ah, oh, that was something I really enjoyed and I would have liked to see it, but it, it just, they didn't have. Didn't I may have to think on that for a second, but nothing as bad as not including an explanation of Patronuses in Harry Potter. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's so, egregious. So <laughs> <laughs> Did they not explain them? No, not really. They explained them They explained them, them, them but much later, I think. They yeah, and it is enough. A little more it was enough for me, too, at the time, because I saw the movies before but I read the books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's the thing. There's a lot of explanation about them in book three, and it makes yeah. his Patronus mean so much more. This is true. And it's that it just 
irks me. Is it was like after I watched it, I was like, you literally left out the best detail of the entire story in this entire chapter in Harry's life. Mm-hmm. You just took it all out, <laughs> and it's like, okay. But Alfonso crushed it. Yeah, I mean, he made <laughs> a good movie, but he left out the best part of the, the story. The second best one. Yeah, that's a hot take. <laughs> Um, I actually don't know if it's a hot take. It might be a hot take at the table. Yeah. Uh, So I think I want to talk a little bit about adaptation a little bit, not the film adaptation. Oh, but we should. (laughs) That's a great movie. Um, I want just the the act of adapting something from page to screen and kind of get your guys' takes on this. I'm going to keep thinking about lore for a second. Yeah, definitely. Also, we didn't talk about the test the Ganjabar test. Ganjabar, yeah. Ganjabar. We didn't talk about Gamjabar. that near enough, but we can come we back can to it later. We can definitely come back. I w- oh, gosh. I'm going to say it now because I'll forget. Uh, <laughs> I think my favorite moment in the entire film is when the Bene Gesserit ship is lifting into the sky and all the like Witcher 3 women are just like, and it's just like, it's just like growing in intensity as like in the fog, their like spherical ship just like raises up and you just watch as like the lights just disappear suddenly into absolute darkness. And you're like, where are they going? Like, I want to go with, like, let's, can we follow them please? Like, (laughs) also, it was terrifying. That that leading into, Paul and Lady Jessica talking mm-hmm. in the in that driveway. I don't know. Yeah, the, driveway. <laughs> the way that it's shot. I wouldn't have called that a driveway, but I know exactly what you mean when you said it. Yeah. It's it's just this traditional shot, reverse shot, uh-huh. where it's all this fog, but the camera's close enough that they're clear. And then when it cuts to wides, they're not close yeah. enough to be clear. Yeah. They're talking to silhouettes of each other. And I, was, I don't know why I love that. But I love it. Yeah. Like, there was I mean, a lot of them. It in this represents movie. a lot of their relationship at that moment. Like yeah. he's so betrayed by her putting him through that test without him knowing what he was going into or knowing he was being prepared for it all along and all that. So it just shows like there's a lot that he doesn't know about her and she never really knew about him. And mm-hmm. now she's going to spend two more hours finding out that <laughs> she bit off more than she could chew. <laughs> she cannot control him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so adaptation. Um, I'm going to give you kind of like what I, my take on it and then you guys can kind of tell me what you think. But um, when people find out that they're going to make a movie based on a book that they like, a lot of people just want to make sure that everything's exactly the way it was mm-hmm. in their head, which is impossible, <laughs> which is impossible. Um, but the second best thing to that group is to make sure that it's exactly as it was on the page. Um, that the character with green hair has green hair, <laughs> that the uh, character that was a guy is a guy in the movie, you know, that kind of stuff. And I know that there's like faux drama around all that kind of stuff, <laughs> usually before a release of a film, even in this one, I think yeah. they recast uh, the Fremen uh, character. What was, um, she's like the judge of the change. Lee Kynes. Yeah. Lee Kynes. Um, <clears throat> And uh, I think that character was a male in the books. Yeah. But I'm not talking about like that kind of drama. Like, but, what, like uh, what if they swapped Paul to Paula or something? Well, <laughs> that would have been a big deal because it's sort of the main issue. thing. <laughs> and that changes a lot. I mean, literally the movie is like a big deal in the movie is that he is a male. Yeah. So <laughs> when, <laughs> when the, when the ocean's the a <laughs> fake feminist version yes. of this movie comes out. Paula. Chano. Uh, but a lot of people just want it to be like exactly <laughs> as the book is, and they're you know they're disappointed when when it, it inevitably is not because it's just 
they're two very different mediums and it's yeah. impossible. Um, so I've sort of like over time kind of taken the stance that they are two different mediums. And so if you're going to adapt something, you're not going to directly translate it. You are creating a new work. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah and yeah, it yeah, should stand, to. well, it should stand on its own as its own thing. Yes. Um, and I feel like uh, Denis really nailed that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There's definitely a lot of stuff that he has not included. Stuff that may come up in part two or who knows part three. Um, part four. Part, part four. Five. Hey, let's... W- <laughs> part five. The HBO <laughs> tie-in series. Well, yeah, well that's <laughs> actually one of the biggest problems I had with the movie overall. I mean, this is super quick. Uh, the fact that he didn't call it, or they didn't call it part one. And it's so... It's so obviously part one. Oh, they did. They did. Yeah. He like put it in the movie, in the title, part one, but like the movie. All the marketing. Yeah. All the marketing is like, this is Dune. Call it part one. Like, yeah, it's I was kind of mad about You think that. he's yeah. half a story. In. Yeah. You think this guy was I the think they I, I really do. And he's like, I'm putting part one because it's obviously part one. Yeah. I feel like if it was up to him, he would call it part one. Yeah. Because he went into it knowing he wanted to make at least two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the people paying for it were like, eh, we're not yeah. going to advertise it as a sequel. Yeah. Or yeah. like a beginning. It's taken us that we're 40 years to get to, here. To even <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's still it fresh. Just let it live. <laughs> just let Dune be. I mean, I get it. So, yeah. So I think I think he did a great job adapting that story and making something new out of it. Uh, there's obviously things that the book is dealing with, ecological issues. Yeah. Sort of our connection with our world, with the planet around us, with nature, with all that kind of stuff. And I think the book handles it a little bit differently than the film does, and the film does its own thing. But I, I think it's great. I think the way they, they touch on that stuff is really good. Yeah, I Lots think they use, uh, he uses the oppression of the Fremen as a vehicle for all of the other themes, mm-hmm. whereas in the book, every theme gets its own time. Mm-hmm. But he found a way to just use the oppression of the Fremen to like promote all of those things rather than giving Leah Kynes like her own movie to explain all the ecological themes that are in the book. But it was the right decision to mm-hmm. like just push them all into that one umbrella for making the best movie he could and making it for people that have not read the book. It definitely does feel like it wasn't a one dimensional. Yeah conflict or conflicts in a world it felt very real world like Mm -hmm. this problem is connected to that problem which is connected to that problem which is connected to that problem which we're not talking about the sub problems of those yeah (laughs) like yeah and i appreciate i appreciate stilgar coming into the middle of that and just walking up to him and going just get your spice and leave us alone yeah (laughs) you know something in that scene that i thought was was willing to be like leave uh, this is time. this is sort of some meta commentary i think just with our viewing was when duncan idaho spits on the table very quickly yeah. mm-hmm. to show respect and sort of like hint at to the other leaders was how many people laughed and thought it was funny and i was thinking huh like i don't think this is funny because i know what's happening and i realized that he's like literally giving them gold mm-hmm. um his spit is like valuable because it's water yeah, um, I think that goes back to the lore conversation. Mm-hmm. I think that might be the one thing that I'm like, we could have had, like, just because a lot of people aren't going to understand mm-hmm. why it's so valuable because they're like, oh, desert, blah, 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 still suits. Mm-hmm. But, like, they still don't get a full grasp of the Fremen's, like, 
view on water. They don't understand why Jameis's body is kept mm-hmm. whenever they leave. Like they don't understand that it's not for a burial. You guys, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> they're gonna harvest his body for all of its water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that's so, the only purpose. That is probably the only like the biggest piece of lore that I wish had been laid on a little bit thicker, mm-hmm. just because it makes a lot of the desert feel even more dangerous because it's you're not just fighting giant worms that will eat you if you walk too normally. Yeah. You're also fighting the fact that you have a very limited amount of time if you don't find water. And stuff yeah. Like that. yeah. So, Robbie, you're the only one that can really genuinely answer this question because you're the only one that didn't know about all this stuff. Yes. So, well, how, like, well, I did know about it, and I still found it funny. Well, okay, so it's not that it <laughs> yeah. wasn't funny. Like, it is a funny moment because yeah. it, it feels like, oh, it's a it's a weird cultural divide, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. like, oh, they spit and, you know, whatever. But it felt like it wasn't supposed to be as funny as it was our perceived. theater thought yeah. it was. Yeah, definitely. Um, that, <laughs> that, I mean, yeah, I, I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, man, that's t- fine. Yeah, take it how you want, but that's I fun. thought it was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. I will say the. I don't know. I've never been on a podcast, but, <laughs> but like, there's no rules. It's you know, you know me as a person, uh-huh. and me and Caleb specifically, we don't laugh at much in movies. <laughs> we could, we could like breathe hard and be like, that movie is hilarious. <laughs> but things like we watch a movie, we're like, this is serious, and people are like laughing, and we're like, freaking hate you. <laughs> like, don't laugh at this. But yeah, honestly, I didn't pick up on people laughing. Because I was You're normally I yes yeah. <laughs> normally I get mad about stuff like that. There's a Hunger Games incident, and then when oh we watched <laughs> when we watched Phantom yeah. Thread, Phantom those Thread two I was like, it's bad. Yeah, it's not funny. But um, yeah, I thought that moment was really good because it is one of those is like oh you know slight comedic relief mm-hmm. of like yeah. oh they your cultures are different, but it is one of those things. But did you pick up on the well, importance of it? That's what I was going to say. Is the it really does have a um, based on how y'all are talking about it? They could have made you realize how extreme the lack of water and moisture is, mm-hmm. which I think they they give you a good sense of like. Yeah, they definitely hinted at it. Like watering the palm trees, they're like, "This is a hundred people's lives." Yeah, <laughs> but in that situation, um, it's it's not so much that we don't have a lot of water; it's that we're using water for superfluous things. That's true. Yeah, I did think that was a very special moment in something that Denny is very good at in general, especially in his sci-fi stuff. Is those moments of like it's very small, but there's a lot to that telling about the world mm-hmm. and our world. He's very good at those little details that some people giggle at, and then we're like, "I'm gonna write a paper on that." <laughs> write a paper on that. <laughs> well, I'm gonna did, write three pages on why f- that moved me. <laughs> do you feel that like the importance of like I guess the the weight of how important water is in this world was conveyed over the course of the film in a way that felt like is it. it it's pretty heavy in the book. It's insane. I would say I understood it, but I'm trying to, I have much. a disconnect because I already knew that it was important. So yeah, I'm yeah. like catching like, yeah, yeah. Okay. I get that when he's wrapping mm-hmm. up the body at the end. Like, uh-huh. it's like, okay, I get why they're, why they're doing this, but is that enough to really convey like how important water is? I, as someone who hasn't read the book based on just how Caleb sounds, I think I picked up about <laughs> 60% of how intense the lack of water is. Okay. Yeah. But that 60% was a lot. Yeah. Like I yeah. definitely was like, 
This You're is, very aware. Yeah. That's good. That's yeah. good. Then. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe more than 60% would have made the movie feel almost annoying at times. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. But, uh, yeah, it's like, <laughs> I get, get it. it. Save water. <laughs> Desert. Turn the faucet off when you're brushing your teeth. <laughs> you're like, no, put this in your nose. Save your water. It's like, okay, hey, jeez. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, in a movie that could have been preachy, it did not feel preachy. Yes, correct. which that I appreciated. I, um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's just uh, all of the book reading, but I mean, I guess there were details that were really good. With um, Liet Kynes says in Fremen, he will know your ways as if born into them. Mm-hmm. About Paul, whenever he puts his still suit on correctly, but more of that uh, love of just how much they press water being important there's a scene really close to the end i knew that paul and jessica were about to meet the fremen and paul has his catch tubes in his nose still and jessica Mm -hmm. took hers out and i was just like that's such a good detail because he knows you don't take them out like he is not he removed his little face mask for the wind but like that's mostly for wind Mm -hmm. but he's never going to remove anything for the moisture Whereas she is like, okay, we can stop and breathe now. Let me take this thing out of my nose that isn't normal yeah. for me. Mm-hmm. But it's just a really good detail. Nice. I didn't notice that. that I can't wait to watch this again. <laughs> <laughs> there are a ton. Jessica's performance She's so is good. probably the most nuanced in the entire film. It is, <laughs> it so, is so good. good. Her and Jason Momoa absolutely annihilated the yes. roles. Like They killed it. I have two two thoughts that are into not entirely random. We're talking about the movie, but are not connected. Sidebar: Javier Bardem as Stilgar was so freaking good. Yeah, it, yeah. I knew you don't even he, know. I either. knew he it's was. Like, in, I knew he was in it, and he was talking, and I was like, "Wait, yeah, <laughs> that's Javier Bardem." But yeah, like like, he, like a full minute into it, and I was like, oh, "Wow, that's amazing," <laughs> it, and it really was. Every it's so good. Every word out of his mouth, and then every just like physical move, I was mm-hmm. like, "This man's amazing." And then when he spit, that was funny. It was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> it was serious, Jeremiah. It was not funny. The one comedic scene. I laughed so hard. Yeah, um, it, it does kind of feel weird for that to be funny, and then like the rest of the movie's like, I mean, ah! Duncan's pretty, pretty like it, easy going. And, it definitely yeah. has, uh, yeah. The tone, I think, is handled well. It's, like, very mm-hmm. serious, but it's not, like, I don't know how to word it. It's not a Marvel comedic relief yeah, in the but sense it's of, not like, take us out and make a joke. It's yeah. It feels more realistic than that, where if you've ever been in a <laughs> stressful situation, uh-huh. someone tries to break tension. Mm-hmm. Duncan Idaho is just over there, like, aha, yeah. and you're like, oh, thanks. <laughs> I <laughs> like, feel like needed that. Denny <laughs> movies in general are good at that balancing tone where it's, like, they're all super serious. It, was, but more, they it don't. was more Ryan Gosling, le- less Ryan Reynolds. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Which is how the world should be. <laughs> um, should we come up with a new rating system that's based on Ryan's? <laughs> I forgot. Once we, we, to, once we, we get really to, far into this restaurant thing, we might, yeah, we might revisit it. <laughs> I forgot. I have to be thinking about my, my restaurant rating. <laughs> what's, the, what's the scale? Well, we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll, we'll get, get to that. It's, I just uh, might need a minute. It's, oh, I see. Yeah, it's a scale of um, one to Cheesecake Factory. One to Cheesecake Factory. But Cheesecake but Factory is not the peak. <laughs> it's not. No, it's, relative. it's completely not. relative to how much you enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. It's rated. It's a completely subjective rating system <laughs> on... 
How do you feel about this movie? I feel like this. And then you have to explain. Well, yeah, because <laughs> none of us know like that. Because uh, we're not going to know what you mean. Yeah. The one other just random tidbit talking about the moisture in the palm trees. Kaylee, my sister, who watched the movie with us last night, said that when the attack was happening and it's like just fire, mm-hmm. everything's blowing up and stuff. There's a shot of the palm trees burning, and mm-hmm. Kaylee said she started crying. Oh, wow. Like, it, not like, you know, yeah. wet shirt crying, but like she just, something about the palm trees being on fire just like hit her really hard. Mm. And I thought that, I don't know, that I hit mean, me. it's like <laughs> representative of the power on the planet yeah. and the people that are dying for no reason. It's yeah. nothing sacred. Yeah. Because it's like not only were you killing people by putting water around some stupid palm trees, mm-hmm. but you were also now like killing all of these innocent people in the city for money. So. Yeah, and, and retroactively, now all that was pointless. Yeah, true. And burning it to the ground. Well, maybe we can talk a little bit about that. Like you're saying now all that was pointless. Uh, a, a theme in the film is is the importance of ceremony. Um, and those things, those processes that we just, we go through. I mean, even from the very opening scene with, with Paul and his mother, she yeah, tells him that he him needs dress, to dress. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. It's a very simple thing. Yeah. yeah. And she sa- he says, why? And she, she says, you need to dress up, you know, you're wearing ceremony garb, essentially. And she's mm-hmm. like, why? Well, ceremony, that's why. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, why do we do these things that we do? Well, just because that's what we do type of thing. Uh-huh. And that is hit on very subtly, I think, throughout the film. But yeah, do you guys have any thoughts on that's something in on a different podcast? Just that idea, a movie s- with so much uh, religious imagery, literally about like a messiah figure, the need for ceremony versus the pointlessness of ceremony, and that balance is something I could talk a long time about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but even then, you're talking about Dune too. Um, it's true. Yeah, even even the position he's in with emperor well not emperor but leader of house atreides Mm -hmm. like even that's a ceremonial position like he's not more powerful than the other people well he is but that's not the point (laughs) 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 i guess paul is but like his dad is it yeah Mm -hmm. um but yeah like even the position that he's in in the beginning of the movie he's like i don't want to do this i don't I don't want to be your son that does your job. Uh, I don't want to do this. I want to do something else, you know. And his dad was even like, uh, well, you know, when I was your age, I wanted to be a pilot. And my dad basically said the same thing, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, this this is what you're born for. This is what we do. This is why you do it. That made me think of things <laughs> that aren't about ceremony. But Well, how does that relate to, like, how the Fremen see? Because they have things that they do, but it feels like the Fremen – everything they do has a very specific purpose for their survival. Mm-hmm. Whereas opposed to everything that the rest of mankind does is all for how it is perceived, like how yeah, they yeah. are perceived. Um, well, I, even I the Harkonnens, like they dress a certain way. They yeah. present themselves a certain way to instill fear in others. Um, it's all done for a reason, but mm-hmm. it's a, like the reasons are all very different. Um, for each of the, I guess, the three factions, if you will, that we see um, in the movie, that we yeah. see in this yeah. film, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah wait, Robbie's holding his finger. Every time he has a thought, he holds a finger up, and he just, in the time <laughs> that I was speaking, he holds, he's now holding three fingers. <laughs> that would make me forget the other two, if anything. Yeah. Uh, it's my system, and it, it works. And it's a good system. <laughs> I mean, it works for you. Yeah, go for it. It lets um, everybody else know to shut up at a certain point <laughs> yeah it's just i'm not interrupting you exactly. just no it's a, pilot, it's a you're just way. joining the queue yeah, yeah and it helps me remember. actually remember them um 
Now I have to remember them. (laughs) (laughs) I remember the most recent two are from Jeremiah talking. I just kind of scratched the surface at the very beginning when it was like, what's my take on the movie? Because we mostly were talking about plot and the world building and stuff. Mm -hmm. But that's something that, um, I don't don't know, Paul as a character, it being some people, I I feel like I was arguing in my brain against theoretical (laughs) uh, disses of the movie where people were like, it's like half a movie. It's like, what even happened? It's all world building. But at the beginning of the movie, Paul very much is like, he wants to honor his parents, but he also is like, I don't really want to do this crap though. Mm-hmm. But then by the end, his mom is like trying to make life more convenient mm-hmm. for them. And like, we we failed, let's go back to normalcy. Mm-hmm. And Paul steps in and is like, no, we're yeah. doing this now. And that was like a, I was like, oh. Even That's in an the, arc just yes, in itself. Like yeah. You don't need two parts to for his exactly, art into yeah. accepting the leadership. Yes. Yeah. So I that's why <laughs> one reason I think that it does work as a movie in its own is because there's lots of story fulfilled in what we see, even though the grand plot is like not even halfway. Yeah. <laughs> so that was one of them. I don't remember the second one, but the third one was another just random small detail. But the, the Harkonnens, is that how it's said? Mm-hmm. I guess it's not them. It's the creepy army that they like hire sarkar that's the emperor's army yes matthew wiggins at lunch today who also watched the movie with us last night (laughs) pointed out a detail he said he was on imdb and he was just looking at the parents guide because he was like i want to see what this says he said it didn't mention that they were literally harvesting the blood of people (laughs) to put on the (laughs) army yeah (laughs) Because it's like, like there's just people upside down. Yeah, he was like, "Oh, they got a bucket of blood. They have a trough of blood. Oh God, they're draining <laughs> humans <laughs> to just like to Ash Sunday it. blood <laughs> on their <laughs> on their, on their face soldiers. And armor, yeah, <laughs> that's hardcore. Yeah, and the emperor that, yeah. really spares no expense. Ceremony, you know? You know, yeah, it's yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> well, it's another moment that makes it, yeah. speaking the importance of this. Yeah, it's another moment that makes you go, "Oh, like that's a movie right there." Yeah. <laughs> like, this There's is what just they're willing so much. to sacrifice for ceremony. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> it really is. So going back to what oh, you I started Oh, I remember number two. Oh, <laughs> oh perfect. Uh, the bull. Mm-hmm. Is that in the book? Yeah. Okay, I couldn't remember. The bullfighting. That's a definitely something that added to the, this is our existence, but like 10 millennium in yeah. the future. Like they have the same animals we do in yeah. a lot of ways. And what's his name? Not Luke. Le- Leto? Leto. They say Leto in the movie, but I hate it. Oh. <laughs> Jared Leto. But yes, Oscar Isaac, the dad, Mr. Atreides. Mr. Desert Power. Mr. Desert, Desert Power. Power. <laughs> Wait. That line to me was like the eye squinting kind of like at first, but it really movie. grew on me. Yeah. <laughs> so. The in honor, <laughs> In honor of the three... Maybe four times it's said in the film, <laughs> in it being the last words. Yeah, for real. <laughs> I think the podcast should end with Desert Power. <laughs> <laughs> no matter what we do from here, the last thing that needs to be said. Desert Power. Desert Maybe power. that can be our outro from now on. All the time. No, just, <laughs> just remember. In just do the, the knife thing and say yes. Desert Power. You can't see. I'm doing the shoulder. Do, yes, do it. yes, you are Salute. doing the, the, the uh, Atreides... Uh, Knife of, uh, salute. Is it them? Salute. Yeah, it's theirs. Yeah, it's their thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why he does it yeah. to uh 
He does it to somebody. Duncan Idaho does it first. Duncan Duncan does it, and then Paul does it in his so. fight in the desert. Yeah, yes. with the Fremen. Yeah, and so that's a lore thing that I I mm-hmm. figured I took it as as a Fremen thing. Yes, I yeah. took it as that's why Duncan did it is because oh, if yeah. Duncan had lived, which I don't know, if Duncan <laughs> had continued to live <laughs> in on this screen. It, on yeah. screen in this movie. That's something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like he would be like Doctor, what's her name? Uh, Leah Kynes. Yes. Why do I keep calling her Doctor? The first she's thing. She's a doctor. Okay. Yeah. yeah. She's um, an ecologist. Yes. So I feel like I forgot if she was actually born Fremen or if just kind of converted over time. That's it. Kind of hinted at both. <laughs> yes. But either way, it's been a minute since we had our first Lord. No? We if Duncan continued to live on screen in this film mm-hmm. i feel like he would how i felt about the characters that he was like i love these people like mm-hmm. i'd totally join them this yeah and so when he's doing like a suicide protection darth vader in the hallway yeah um <laughs> he was he was, <laughs> he was darth like vader darth in that vader. hallway yeah, yeah i i took it as him doing the fremen thing yeah because i think I could be wrong, but that was the first time I remember seeing it. And so then when Paul does it in the desert mm-hmm. fighting with, with the them, Fremen, I yeah. took it as the like him also being like, yeah, I'm going to be one of these people. Mm. Yeah, I think in that sense, it was him honoring. I mean, it's probably obviously now, but it's it's him honoring yeah. their their heritage. And yeah. Him showing honor in a way that is his own way yes. of showing honor to the, mm-hmm. the Fremen that he's fighting. I don't know what I was going to say about the bull. I just liked the bull <laughs> and that really the grandfather died bullfighting. Yeah. In the There's a lot in the book about how Jessica feels about the bull. Mm. And it's just overall it's probably it probably makes sense in the movie how much it relates to the fact that Leto's doing the same thing. Yes. He's fighting the bull at yes. the same mm-hmm. in a very different way, but he's mm-hmm. fighting a bull as in well. In the their very ceremonial culture. It's like they're honoring the foolishness that killed of bravery, yeah, yeah, that killed their previous leader, mm-hmm. and their current one is doing the same thing on a bigger scale, yeah, mm-hmm. basically the same, yeah. <laughs> so it's a very big bull. <laughs> yes, <laughs> just that all the times we were like, ah, look at the bull, yeah, like oh god, over the freaking <laughs> when he's like dying at the dinner table, yeah, uh-huh. and the bulls over him. Yeah, this movie's so freaking. Uh, good. <laughs> There's like three so. pages of Jessica <laughs> hating that bull in the book. Like she just, there are so many times where she literally, like Frank Herbert stops everything and writes Jessica's inner monologue about how yeah. much she hates that freaking bull statue. <laughs> like she's like, I would take that thing down so fast. Like head cannon, it's not a statue. That is the bull that killed the. <laughs> <laughs> it is a taxidermy bull. Yeah, I think it was actually. Beautiful. I think that was the bull. That's yeah. morbid. That's interesting. I love <laughs> it. To keep the thing that killed your father. Like yep. Honoring his, uh, his death. Yeah. <laughs> Glorious defeat. With its. Oh um, well, yeah. Murderer, well, his yeah. bravery. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Speaking of Lady Jessica, one of the best characters. Mm-hmm. End of sentence. Um, <laughs> <laughs> can we talk? So we, you mentioned Darth Vader earlier. Can we talk about the Baron? Yes. Uh, two, and, seconds. Um, two seconds. Two seconds. I just want to say what Lady I was going to say really quick. Oh, I thought you already said it. Sorry. No. Um, he said end of st- a sentence, not end of turn. 
<laughs> yeah, well, I'm gonna <laughs> need buzzers. But just hold on, the, hold on, hold on. There's one. no, I'm not gonna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, does that bake it into the file? No, that's not right. <laughs> it's not on the stage. There's, a, there's, a, there's like a full. I was really scared. One of them is like a. I did not even know. Was just for silence. It. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a. It, there must be another page or something. I loved that. I don't. Once again, a thing that I don't know. I've only seen the movie once. So after studying it religiously, um, <laughs> I, I might could do a long TED talk on why it is meaningful. But the like revelation of Leto, Leto, and Lady Jessica aren't married. Mm. I don't know. I liked that. Yeah. I don't know why I liked that. It's but good I was that like, you like that. Oh, I'll say that. That, mm-hmm. that made me feel ways. Yeah. <laughs> it's their relationship is incredibly important. Like it's one yeah. of the it, like top I, things in the entire it, story. It just added to the I don't know how to word it, the grayness of Oscar Isaac's character. I love how uh, much heart it brings into Jessica because I mean, she cares for him and mm-hmm. Paul as a like you know, stereotypical mother and wife would. So mm-hmm. whenever they say concubine, it's yeah, it segues stings. Interesting, yeah. Segway of all segues, the fact that the Baron like rubs it in Oscar Isaac's face mm-hmm. intentionally because it's like this person that publicly he portrays as his wife and just being like your concubine. Yeah. So the Baron. <laughs> You're welcome. Very smooth. In turn. Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, I don't know. I just want to. I just He's awesome. He he is. Um, He's fat and Mr. gross. Skarsgård does a fantastic job so being absolutely disgusting and um, terrifying. <laughs> and, and that li- like little like uh, anti gravity suspensers. Yes. suspensers that he's got. And how they like, how like at various times they like kick on. Mm-hmm. Like yes. even when he's just sitting there and it's like, man, he must be so like heavy and weak that he like literally those things kick on. Even when he was sitting down, they like turned on just for him to kind of like adjust himself a little bit. Yeah. And it's yeah. like something about that is just so gross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like the his muscles have atrophied yeah. to the point where he can't lift his head to eat, but that's yeah. all he does. Yeah. <laughs> it just it's made me think of Wally, really. Of Wally, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, sure, but in like the, the darkest, the worst way. possible yeah. universe. <laughs> um, um. <laughs> but him, like when his people move in mm-hmm. and they pretty much secured the battle, and uh, then you have Harkonnen, you know, moving in with his his troops, and he's just floating above them. Yes, um, as he comes in, it feels like the movie is intentionally hiding the space between him and the ground. When we see him with his like long clothes, when we see him floating, there's always yeah. something covering it, yeah. like a long cloak yeah. or skirt. And mm-hmm. when he doesn't have something covering that space, we don't see it, yeah. except for when he's you know fetal position on the ceiling. True. Can't tell you why it's special, but it's special. I think. I mean, I it, think it's just costume to make him more intimidating. I was say it makes him feel tall yeah. rather than like the mm-hmm. silly fat guy floating above everybody, yes. clinging to life. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. It makes it him feels feel powerful. intimidating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I kind of read into it like, uh, what's the Indian princess where they never let touch the ground? I don't know. That's a thing. No, no idea clue. what you're talking uh, about. They're, like, they pick a little girl, and they're like, you're the incarnation of this goddess. You will ne- literally never touch the ground. 
I read a little bit of that into it too. Like, like he is he's above yeah. it. He doesn't even. He literally doesn't even walk on the ground. He he doesn't touch the ground. Yeah, mm-hmm. he definitely like a lot of the people around him and just by his own design tries mm. to make him make himself as much of a god figure as he possibly can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like the people around him feed into that how timid they are to approach him and his throne that we only see the one time but like just all like he has a throne room the duke does not. Mm-hmm. Like there's just lots of things where they like he is forcing himself into that position. He doesn't leave any detail not explored in ways to like make himself more powerful. Yeah, more powerful and give his, like, image as much intimidation as it can. <laughs> the most intimidating, charismatic man I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I I mentioned this last night, but when when we were right after the film, uh, very briefly, but I loved the uh, how terrifying. <laughs> so I couldn't remember if he survived or not. I told you this. I couldn't remember if he survived uh, the attack with the, uh, the tooth poison. But he does. And uh, I love like all the little details in the film, like you mentioned. Like there's like just little subtle things that they don't draw attention to. Like mm-hmm. Jessica pulled mm-hmm. her uh, her nose like, tube thing out. But there's a final shot of Duke, uh, Leto, and the bull, and there's no Baron on the table where he was when we thought he died. Um, but it's not drawing attention to it. Yeah. You can see mm-hmm. everybody else, but there's no Baron there. Mm-hmm. And I was like. That's weird. Did they like yeah. take him out and like get rid of him somehow, you yeah. know? But then everybody comes in and they're like, oh no, he's like sniveling and dying on the ceiling because his little <laughs> suspensor thing has put him up there. And it's like, it made me think of uh, Voldemort under the, the bench in um, yeah. in the train station mm-hmm. um, at the end of the film, how he was just like so fragile and, and but also like, gosh dang it like he got like he's alive still like somehow he clung to life like the last person that should have survived that yeah only people that evil (laughs) survive situations like that i love uh, the the cleanup crew in the hazmat suits i know how one how they look Mm -hmm. um just production design and overall gosh when they yes production design when they walk in and when they see him they're like Almost scared. Mm-hmm. They start backing up and put yeah. their hands up. Yeah, they're like, yeah, I'm not like, gonna take him. they don't. They're like, we don't know how to handle this. Yeah, <laughs> don't have a large stick or like a, a net. <laughs> God, King, Sir, uh, Universe Ruler, please. Like finding the president drunk in a hallway. You're like, I don't know how to. Yeah. How do I? Where do I? What do I do? do What's you, my role here? Do you want me to help you? I are, will. You gonna, are you going to kill me for touching you? <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, so we we talked a little bit of the, you mentioned the production design, um, but like wardrobe, costuming, makeup, everything. I feel like the whole team did such a fantastic job at making this film feel so alien that even though I know there's a lot of stuff that was shot in Jordan, I know there's a lot of obviously most of the film is shot in real world locations. Yeah. I never once felt like we were on Earth. <laughs> yeah. Never once. It was yeah. never a like, oh, yeah, they probably ne- shot yeah. this here. I'm like, I, we're on Arrakis. We're yeah. on. We're <laughs> yeah. on um, Kaladin. We're yeah. we're in. You know, where uh, what was it? Gay Gaius Prime uh, or something? Getty Ga- Prime. Getty Prime. Like all, I just felt like, yeah, we are not yeah. in uh, in our world also, anymore. I didn't, even, I didn't even think about that. But yeah, neither did I. <laughs> Yeah. Not not for one second. Like, oh, that's oh, that's in Jordan. That's outside yeah. of Israel. No, yeah. not for one second. <laughs> um, a fun subjective layer. 
they shot the movie in Jordan and it's this desert that's like rough and it's like that's literally where like Moses was wandering around for 40 years. Yeah, I mean they like took is it where they shot it and that's just a fun detail for a very religious like movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean even just the the setting itself not just in the film but in the book but yeah. is very much like Mm-hmm. Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, yes. all that area that basically sure. is like all these like nation states that are warring over the resources of that area mm-hmm. in our own world. Yes. And then you have this people who are just caught in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There's that allegory that's just very much on the nose. But I feel yeah. like they, they, well, both the book and the film handle it very well so that it's not just straight up like, well, they're Islam <laughs> and these guys are America yeah. and this is Russia and whatever. <laughs> you know, like, you know, it's, it doesn't feel too heavy-handed yeah um yeah i mean but that is what he did no i mean it yeah. is what it is <laughs> yeah, sure, it's yeah. very obvious yeah. but yeah. i think it's handled very well i mean yeah. sci-fi to me that's the point of sci-fi is to take things in our own world and then sort of dress them up in different ways and mm-hmm. and present them back to us in a way that's a little bit more digestible mm-hmm. so that we can kind of like yeah. get to know ourselves a little better yeah and i think that that dune is I mean, that's what Dune's about. Yeah, yeah. But, I, th- um, I, I feel like I feel like <laughs> I remember. They did a good job. They did great. That's I feel I like I remember <laughs> some uh, out of context quote coming in. Uh, somebody was like in some interview was like, "Hey, Frank, what's the what's the spice all about?" He's like, "It's a stand-in for oil." Yeah. Next. <laughs> uh, I need to lord up because I don't remember this. Okay. Um. So the giant. So obviously they use spice. It's like a hallucinogen. It does a lot of things. It's basically yes. just like <laughs> it's, everything. it's everything. Yeah. It's everything. It's oil um, weed. Oil, <laughs> oil weed. weed. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, the uh, oil weed vitamin. Now this is yeah. this is because I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember, but this is how I perceived it in the film. And you can okay. tell me if I'm right. Those gigantic tubes that they have floating outside of each planet. My takeaway from that was that they fly in one in in Kaladin. And when they come out the other end, they are at Arrakis. That was my perception as well. It's sort of like a, a wormhole tunnel that like is created using the spice. I figured it could Not either exactly, be... Not exactly, but pretty close. Okay. Uh, pretty much. Those things do have pilots. Like they are They're not... actual uh, ships? Yes, they okay. are literal ships. They're the Spacing Guild's highliners, hayliners. Okay. Um, it's a difficult word to say. Um... But, yes, the people that navigate those ships are the people that use the spice. No one that flies the other ships ever takes spice for navigation. It's the people that navigate the giant ship that transports all the other things. They use spice to navigate space because, if I'm remembering it correctly, I mean, it's basically like crossing, I guess, like light speed. Like, you have to know where you're coming out. Mm Mm-hmm. Like in Star Wars, um, mm-hmm. they use spice so they can see where they're coming out. Otherwise, they'll hit a ship on the other side or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. So the only way for them to see the end of their path is with spice. Gotcha. Okay. So there is actual movement. Yes. From Those things do move. Okay. But Since they never show that. Um, yeah. They, that's, I, I, was, I wasn't actually, under, I didn't know it was a ship. Yeah. I, I didn't yeah. remember that. So I feel like it'd be hard to show them moving. It's true. In any <laughs> effective way. Yeah. Um, and I mean, honestly, whales. their yeah. movement is never even really explained in yeah. the book, like how they move and stuff. They're just called Spacing Guild Hayliners, yep. Highliners. And the guild navigators in the Bene Gesserit are the two main people that need spice for what they do and what they bring to the galaxy. 
Mm. So interesting. Yeah. My perception was it was either a portal or it was almost like lanes for like in Star Wars. Uh, mm. hyper, yeah, what's like a hyperspace. Hyperspace. Yeah. Yeah, it's literally Point like them the right it's rails. <laughs> yeah. Launch the catapult <laughs> bumpers. <laughs> it's the uh, in a uh, in Nemo, the the turtles get in the. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's Rap kind. Shell, of, I mean, that's honestly pretty close. <laughs> like the turtles, yeah. it's just that yeah. the turtles are the big ships, not the little ships. Yeah. So then, use is uh, spice to tell where that current yeah. is taking them like the turtles do we they m- we might be getting into like spoiler territory for the future okay. stuff but is does he acknowledge does does uh herbert frank herbert frank <laughs> <laughs> does frank herbert, herbert we just got, herbert, done, herbert, we just got done with bond uh, <laughs> james bond so yeah i'll give you that one herbert frank herbert <laughs> um <laughs> uh Spicy, does he does he take like relativity and all that stuff into consideration or is this like star wars where there's like nah they just kind of fly there and it's they get uh there. Uh, yeah, I think the spices is way around having to take that stuff into account okay. super heavily and in detail. There just is um, the spice. Yeah, it's like, oh, you have these questions about how we get here? Spice. Got it. It's yep. not important to him. This is no, yeah. Okay. I just That's curious. just like semantics that yeah. people in the world have figured out so he doesn't have to kind mm-hmm. of thing. Brilliant writing tool. <laughs> yeah. It well, I, yeah. I'm asking well, because I mean, I, it is to not go of, into it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it can yeah. be. I'm a big fan of uh, the Ender's Game series, uh, and there's a lot of uh, relativity is like a huge part of that series, yeah. um, and mm-hmm. so much so that like characters are are living, you know, they're not living for thousands of years, but on you know planet side time, thousands they, of year years, thousands of years are passing while yeah. they are in transportation, and so yeah. um, I wasn't sure if that kind of stuff actually came into play at yeah. all ever. In not the, really. Okay. Um, yeah, no, people people travel too fast for anything like that to happen, I guess. Another lore dump question. Okay. Um, I'll do my best. Is the, this is one of those things, it doesn't matter in the slightest, <laughs> it's just fun. I this is why know. people, people get addicted to lore, because it's like, uh-huh. oh, it doesn't matter, fun. and yeah. then it's like, oh, but you have an answer? <laughs> <laughs> now I have to ask I this question. Yeah. I need it. Um, so, Spice... Is the navigation using its like almost psychic hallucinogen yes. properties? Mm-hmm. That's dope. Yeah, it's that's I what mean, I wanted to know. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, it gives you it gives you, it gives yeah. you prescient the, uh, knowledge yeah. when you take it. It's yeah, it's called prescience or prescience. Um, that is awesome. Yeah, um, which goes back to the very analog. Yeah, technology. If it's not like, oh, we feed this to the computer, it's like yeah, yeah. the pilot well, knows what we're. Yeah, which is, we're, a, yeah, which we're is why it's sort of enhancing Paul's abilities. By yeah. Yes. Yeah. Guild navigators are basically giant fish people. That's awesome. Like they sit in a big old tank, mm-hmm. shape of water style, and they're just absolutely coked up, and just saying like, oh, don't go here. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like, they're just floating and saying like, how like how to travel safely and how to get there quickly and things like that. Love that. Yeah. I got to think of more lore questions. <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm worried that since I haven't read the first book in so long, I'm going to get some stuff wrong, but we'll see. Yeah, it's It'll fine. be all right. Well, I'm you ba- guys I'm backing the you up a little so. bit. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, uh, what is the spider thing? I don't remember that at all. Oh, the, the spider with human hands for hands. I yeah. think yeah. it's just like, I think he got s- bored DNA and wanted to throw some crazy <laughs> monstrosity. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think that, that that's why she's like, make it leave. Get oh, it yeah. yeah, that was kind of another jokey thing during yeah. it, I guess. That was also David, what's his name, is incredible. The Oh, David Desmalchian. Yeah. Yes. Piter. 
He's they never just, say his name. Yeah, they don't. You're right. Never he's got a great name. Hyther yeah. the Rise is his name. Yes. I'm glad that that guy say. is showing up in more films than just like yeah. the yeah. creepy dude from The Dark Knight. <laughs> yeah. He's like, not in. Uh, he's so. He, I thought he was in Batman Begins. I don't know. No, he's in. Uh, he's with. You're the, right. The you're right. Yeah. Yep. I remember he's in that the parade. Now. Yep. Um, oh, yeah. But, uh, that is him. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. crazy. Yep. Um, and yeah, then I didn't he's in. That at all either. He's in Suicide Squad. Uh, twenty forty nine. Yeah. He's in twenty forty nine. He's the doctor. He's the doctor. Oh, that yeah. love kills. Oh yes, For very briefly. <sighs> yeah. Twenty forty nine. Although I uh, would argue which he I might have as much screen time in Blade Runner <laughs> as he does in Dune. <laughs> it's hey, just man. in Blade Runner. Yeah, it's like all together, and yeah. in this one, it's like yeah. He's yeah, um, in Blade Runner. He's you see him, and then ten minutes later, he's dead. But in this yeah. one, he. He makes it almost two hours before he makes, he's dead. He does. <laughs> yeah. makes it a long time. You see him for five minutes, and then you see him for five more minutes, and he dies. And his death face <laughs> is real creepy. Like his whole yes. his eyes. Like are where like, did his so eyes go? <laughs> they're burned out. I know. So that's actually <laughs> no! crazy. There's an that's the, another piece the of moisture uh, got sucked out of lore. That's another piece of lore. How they uh, how the the eyes got sucked out. And um, give it to me. Well, <laughs> I honestly don't want to give that lore. because okay. of future things. Okay. It may sure. come into play. I'm, I'm I could cool be thinking that. a decade in the future, but I'm still not going to tell you. <laughs> when totally part two comes out 10 years from You're going to be 40 I, when no, you I'm figure out those I'm talking like part four, like, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm patient. <laughs> I've been waiting for this movie. People are like, we've been waiting like 18 months for this to come out. I'm like, I remember when the production was announced, okay? Yeah, Yeah. I, you know, gosh, I I want so badly for this to continue. Um, it has to. Like a part two to it, come out? Yeah, honestly, but beyond that. Like, I would like to actually go further than just I think, Dune. Uh, I don't know if it'll happen, but Dune I... Dune Messiah, I think, is very... Okay, let me say this. There's one scene in part two. There's one scene that, depending on how it's handled in part two... I will like either say yes or please don't try for Dune Messiah because <laughs> there's some stuff in Dune Messiah that involves a lot of the stuff in that scene that I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. That if it just doesn't land, I don't know how he's going to do it visually. Mm. Like it's going to be gnarly for him to pull that off. And I think, uh, yeah, it'll just be interesting if he okay. can pull off yeah. that one. Like there's one scene that's just going to be so difficult, but I mean, if anybody can do it, yeah. I believe in him because um, he's yet to let me down in yeah. any area, really. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> um, Just, uh, yeah, Denis, right? That's where yes, yes. Denis. Okay. You guys want to give your your rating? Oh, I got to think about it. We stu- we didn't talk enough about the the <laughs> box test. The gum jabar. Oh, we're going to go back to the gum jabar. Go back to the gum jabar. That um, scene. Maybe we can do that. What's uh I left any, my like, body about scenes yeah. specifically scenes, that, specific scenes, okay. Like specific <laughs> scenes that really stood out like that you're just like you're still thinking about. I like, like the the spit scene. It was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> Comedy gold. I laughed a lot. And almost laughed as hard at the spider. He doesn't speak <laughs> your language. And, she, and she's like, I bet he does. Get out. Also, <laughs> the cone of silence is awesome. Yeah, that yeah. was pretty cool. Ooh. Okay. Big, uh, Incoming. Yeah, this goes <laughs> to the uh, this goes to the adaptation discussion uh-huh. um, where I was the kind of book person that's like, they better put this junk in the movie. There's like, <laughs> There were like a few details. There was like, come on. Like, it's got to be in there. The... Sign language mm-hmm. that they do is called the Atreides battle language. 
I was just so freaking pumped <laughs> whenever yeah, they yeah. started doing it. I was like, <laughs> they yes. implemented it so well. Yeah, they did. Yeah. And it felt like, yeah, it was perfect. And I was so excited that they put it in there. I actually really appreciated how the power of language was conveyed in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, because you, you instantly, the moment you start to realize that like Paul and his family know multiple languages, they, it's like they suddenly are like up multiple tiers as far as like <laughs> yeah. their ability to handle a situation. You're just mm-hmm. like, Oh, I didn't realize I was doing like, yeah, it's yeah. almost like, just, a, it's almost like a superpower. Yeah, yeah. It feels like a superpower in a world where there's like no, you know, star Wars is very much like there's a lot of stuff in star Wars. that's based on, on Dune, loosely, mm-hmm. desert planet, desert planet, you know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. But like, <laughs> I didn't even think but I mean, there's a lot of stuff in Dune <laughs> that feels like magic, yeah. but mm-hmm. is not. Yeah, and and their power of lang- like their power over language, th- just how they are able to use language yeah. to their advantage, feels like magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's I, so I hard to just learn a whole language yeah. and they know like five. But it's like I would definitely argue that that's. I mean, obviously, Jedi mind trick is yeah. just. Let's <laughs> yeah, change, the voice change, is a change my homework. Jedi sort of, yeah. Like, really yeah. but um, <laughs> I think even Jedi mind trick even feels a little bit like the voice thing. It just adds such a layer of their understanding of the world around them. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. they're not just making it. Like these people are in the driver's seat in ninety percent of the situations they're in. Like they understand so much about how to interact with people and how people work and how they think and everything and it's just really good yeah and i love yeah. how that translates in the ornithopter where they're just calm the whole time they're yeah. like there's like no nah, we got this yeah. <laughs> yeah also those things were just cool yeah they were <laughs> the way ornithopters were another thing that i was like if they make some janky l- just planes yeah, i'm just gonna like be a heated. Black yeah like yeah. i'm gonna be so mad I'm gonna hate if this they whole movie. don't look <laughs> like they have wings that are flapping yeah. i'm gonna be upset <laughs> i loved how it felt even just in the theater just that yes. that vibration when they start <laughs> to move like the, I would, the, my mind was like the stabilization that's required <laughs> to keep this thing from just tipping over yeah. on its side like yeah. it's just the, okay, you could feel the power. That's probably so That's good. another just Denny sci-fi moment. It's not this big mm. drawn out, like we're going to stare at this for five minutes, but they're like, we're going to take the time to watch how these crank. Mm-hmm. They get in, they fold the wings out, the wings separate, and then we watch them kind of like warm up and go from like, oh, we can see it flapping, we can see it flapping, until it passes the speed our eye can see it flapping. And that was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, like just getting to, it so easily could have been a cut to them in the air mm-hmm. and just blurs. But watching the, like, the entire these process. are how they work. Yeah. yeah. yeah everything feels very, there's a cost to everything. There's a mm-hmm. weight to everything. I mean, even the ships coming out of the water feel so heavy mm-hmm. and yet they're defying gravity. And so the power that comes with that is just like awe inspiring when you're watching it on a 60 foot screen yeah. in front of you. <laughs> um, honestly, everything, even just people walking across the room, you're like, Whoa. Yeah. That was another thing that was like, this ship is big. And yeah. then it's like Paul watching it from the mountain. You, Oh, it's really big. <laughs> yeah. yeah, It's not big. It's real big. It's real big. Um, there's a, there's a thing in, um, we can, I don't want to necessarily talk about uh, A Song of Ice and Fire forever, but there's something in A Song of Ice and Fire that I really love, and that is, like, magic in that series has, like, a high cost. It's not just, like, mm-hmm. hey, we've got magic. Let's just throw some fireballs around. Um, <laughs> fireball, fireball, like, fireball, yeah. fireball. <laughs> <laughs> Lightning bolt. Uh, it, it's just, like, 
everything, any type of magic that is used has an extremely high cost. I feel like in this, everything that is done, whether it is someone who has, you know, become a fish man to become, to be a a guild pilot, like Mm -hmm. that is a heavy cost to be a pilot of a ship. It's probably like a very honorable job maybe, but like. That's a lot you got to give yeah. up to be, or maybe, and maybe they're not giving anything up. Maybe they're just yeah. like forced to do it. Yeah, that's just um, how they're born, I think. But, uh, but even just like the the Bene Gesserit, like the amount of dedication and training, the mentats, the amount of like d- yeah. literally everybody's job, like they are like my entire life is dedicated this to thing. this thing. Yeah. It's not just like I know kung fu, and you're like, yeah. cool, you just got this <laughs> extra cool power, mm-hmm. which is not a bagging on the mi- on the Matrix, but just like, it's, okay, it's not just like in a, it's just <laughs> not, <laughs> it's not just an extra thing that they yeah. get, you know, in addition to yeah. getting to live a normal life. They like, no, this is your life. Yeah, um, which that definitely adds to Paul's arc, I guess, just Paul's like, there's a lot of weight to his decision. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not you know, I'm going to do this or I might change and do that. It's like people do something and it is like very, that's what they're going to do kind of thing. Yep. I don't remember if mm. that's what this finger was or if this <laughs> finger was something else. It's really tough. I remember what this finger was. This seems so intense. This is going to sound really extreme, but the, um, what is it? Is it called the Fisher Protocol? What's the thing where it's like nuclear codes go in a person and the president has to like say, oh yeah, we're going to kill this guy. To I do don't it. remember what it's called, but I didn't know it yet. Yeah. Um, but that idea is one of those people are like, that's extreme. And it's like, eh, I think it's a good idea. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> if, you, if you can't look at someone in the face and go, we're going to murder you to like nuke a country, then why are you nuking a country? Um, but the Gamjabar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> the way that's that how it feels when you read it as well. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I did it. You're like, you're like, what the heck is Chaco Bossa? Was that back here? <laughs> um, the Gamjabar test for the Benegesserit. Benegesserit. Um, people. That idea of it's like everyone who ever runs for president is like a uh, what's it called? Uh, dang it, what's the word? Starts with a P. They think highly of themselves. They think about themselves a lot. Oh, it's a narcissist. But yeah, you're right. It doesn't start with a P. <laughs> <laughs> Every, it's, it's like silent. Panarcissist. Panarcissist. Everyone, everyone. That just are ends. Everyone who runs for, to be in charge is mm-hmm. like they're a narcissist. But it's like that's why some people are like monarchy's better because people just have to rise to the occasion, kind of yeah. thing. It's like let's get real extreme. <laughs> like it's a monarchy, but it's like you put your hand in the box, and if you take it out, it's like, well, you, you weren't fed. ready. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you gonna die. <laughs> it's like people are born into this line of rulers, but like you know, we just take them out if they're yeah. if they're if not, they're not good. worth keeping. Yeah, still, yeah, still gotta earn it. I don't actually think people should do that. That's <laughs> just, you, you know what? I you heard it, it here. I do. I think that. So, what are some other scenes that you guys? Really enjoyed random details. The I love just <laughs> not scenes at all. Well, okay, <laughs> I'm gonna ignore your question. Um, <laughs> I just mean let I me do what I want. Sometimes you want to just spitball like this thing and this thing, and everyone goes, yeah. Spitballing is not allowed on this podcast. We we try to keep things to a very strict well, hold on, <laughs> unless, unless it's really funny when you do it. Okay, like yeah. like spitting like on spitting the table, on the table. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, yeah, okay, uh, you got <laughs> now it. Now we're getting it. <laughs> um. <laughs> I like the podcast. I like over. to think, every, yeah, anyone at home listening just went, no. <laughs> I, 
like to think people are going to listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. I love that idea. Um, <laughs> you're why I'm still here, listener. <laughs> Keep me from ending it all. Um, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast. Right. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah, 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 that's yeah, yeah. exactly We're gonna end it. what I was talking about. <laughs> desert yeah, power. Yeah, desert <laughs> power. Jeez. <laughs> Everything on Caladan. Caladan. Mm-hmm. Caladan. Or Caledon. Um, <laughs> the island we were on in Washington. Yep. Mixed with Scotland. But I think it was shot in Canada, so I don't know. <laughs> Places look like that. Rocky <laughs> beaches. Yep. It looks like Fujifilm. Everything's green. The but Canadian, nice. Washington, Scottish island. Yes. Yep. Greenland is what you're thinking about. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> film photography. Everything shot on Fuji just looks green, but like pretty green yep. you're like happy everything everything <laughs> is green <laughs> like when i shoot fuji I th- everything feels like a green field that it's raining but it's like it's cold but feels good cold and then everything on kodak is gold doesn't matter what color you're shooting <laughs> if it's kodak film it's just it's gold but it could have been very easy for that to be the like how arrakis felt versus mm-hmm. Calid- caladan caladan Keep wanting to say Caledon. Caledon. I don't. I mean, I can't say that it's definitely the Caledon. water planet. Yeah. Um, the Atreides homeworld. Everything is like not underexposed in a bad way. Nothing's blown out. It's very cold colors, but not cold feeling. Nothing's blown out. Nothing flares. Nothing. Just yeah. Everything's subdued lighting wise. There's nothing intense. And then it would have been very easy to make. Arrakis look like Mexico and Breaking Bad. <laughs> like, um, but instead of that, they almost go the other way where Arrakis isn't orange and hot feeling. It's white. Mm. It's lack of color. Everything is the is sand or it's everything's overexposed when you first get to Arrakis. Mm-hmm. But in a good way. Like when they walk out. I think out, it actually tones down in that aspect as the movie it does. goes on. Yeah. One thing, a good way, uh, Matthew Wiggins we were talking about that idea and he said it very eloquently. They shot it the way when you like have been inside and it's dark and you walk outside and your eyes mm-hmm. are like just not adjusting. Mm-hmm. And it's like, like if it's a concrete sidewalk and you're like, I literally can't see, like it's just <laughs> my eyes are not functioning right now. That's how it felt when they get to Arrakis is like, they were literally shooting it. Like, yeah, your eyes just can't see. <laughs> like yeah. And Lady everything. Jessica's the only one with sense enough to cover her face so yes. no one can see her squinting. <laughs> yeah. Everything. Yeah, they don't have sunglasses <laughs> in the future. Yeah. Everything is just blown out white. Like, there's mm-hmm. a shot. I think it's like a shot following a ship. I don't remember. Into the sky. And it literally just goes white. Yeah. Because it's, yeah. it's so, so much light hitting it. So that's not a scene. But, but hey, that's, that's something I really like. Yeah. <laughs> Any scenes? Any scenes? <laughs> All of them. All, all of the scenes. Pretty much all of them, yes. Naked Oscar Isaac is the big takeaway. <laughs> Absolutely. Tasteful <laughs> nudity. Mm. Yes. Tasteful table obscured nudity. The way <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was the funniest thing, was the way the table perfectly... It How looked long do you like think <laughs> they spent framing that scene? So long. <laughs> <laughs> Almost as long as... I'm just kidding. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Almost as long as the Do you table think they had Oscar scene? Isaac out there for that whole time? Or do you think they had a, a double? There's definitely oh, a double. Oh, de- he definitely has a stand-in, yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. He's too pretty not to have a stand-in. <laughs> you got to get... Well, no, they all have stand-ins, but I'm just saying, like... Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of a, like, 
Okay, so here's what we've been doing for the last two hours with <laughs> Jeff over here. Yeah. Let's um, hope it lines up. Let's hope with, it lines yeah. up, yeah. Yeah. They're like, oh my God, I'm sorry for Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to you got I to mean, see how he shoots a scene in scenes from a marriage. I haven't seen it. So. Uh, I haven't either. They well, I mean, it was kind of a joke anyway, but oh, okay. They, they, <laughs> they kind of uh, open wasn't up. Wasn't any spitting involved? I didn't know it was funny. So oh, hold on. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I yeah, get it. it. It's hilarious. No, they just uh, like at the beginning of the show, they'll just walk in and they'll be like, "Hey, Jessica," and uh-huh. then like da 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 da, da and they're in the scene in the show. So it's like one take wonder people. Uh, well, that was my joke. Anyway. Cut, <laughs> cut it. <laughs> Don't. <coughs> uh, I'm so confused. <laughs> Go ahead and uh, <laughs> just uh, help us here. Cut that right out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what we're talking about. I was wondering. I was yeah, like, no are you referring no to a sex it. scene in it or scene? something? No, no, no. Just the fact that he's like, like, okay, it's time to go. And then he comes in, three seconds, scene's done. Okay, I'm done. And then walk back out. Okay. Like they didn't have to spend all that time with him just like Yeah, not with him. It was like all yeah. the setup is done. And he comes in, one Crushes take, perfect. Yeah, back out, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> watch. <laughs> go home and watch that. It's really good. <laughs> uh, scenes from a marriage on HBO. I remember a scene. Nice. I was a really big fan of. This is spoiler right here. Duncan Idaho's death oh, it, in yeah. the hallway. Yeah. Um, Darth Vader in it. Darth Vader in it up. Yeah. I've talked about to a couple different people how much I hate when not all the time, but a lot of the time, you have these characters that are used to just like they survive. These are the people that survive situations that no one else can survive. They fight. They do not <laughs> stop fighting. Ever, and that's the reason they survive. That's the reason they win fights like that. Mm-hmm. And he is in a situation where he signed his own death certificate. He knew he was going to die, and he did not go <laughs> quietly. And that was my favorite part of that scene because it was like, thank you for a character that does not betray one of their main traits for a peaceful death. It's like his death wasn't that peaceful. Mm-hmm. He was happy with his decision. Like, he had made his peace peace with his decision but he was not going to stop until he literally could not lift himself off the ground yeah and he even got to do it twice yeah so exactly cool. yeah. Mm-hmm. so like that's my point is like he could have just been like oh and slumped over mm-hmm. and have been like wow he did his best he he <laughs> really but he, then he, he laid it all out and there screams. and then he's like ah! and yeah. just kills everybody until they basically like dismember him and he can't <laughs> stand anymore and it's like mm-hmm. that is how that character should die not just going quietly into the night. They should be raging and just <laughs> He has a, the D&D trait where your rage is so furious where instead of getting knocked down to zero HP, it knocks you down to one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, how useful is this in combat? Pretty useful. <laughs> I actually really felt like in that scene in particular, I think maybe it was just his smile when he did the the Atreides little sign mm-hmm. with his, mm-hmm. his blade. Because he had, you can see that he's like, he just has a thing for the Fremen. Like he just really digs their their style and their mm-hmm. vibe. It almost felt a little bit like not only was he laying down his life and giving everything to essentially protect Paul and mm-hmm. Jessica, but it felt like he was like, I'm like gonna fight as hard as the Fremen that I fought to like stay alive yeah. to survive. He's gonna you know? fight like a demon. He's gonna fight yeah. like a demon. Yeah. And I was like, this is awesome. I like that he yeah. you can almost get that in just that smirk that he gives right mm-hmm. at the end. He's kinda just like, this is the way I want to go. Yeah. Um so yeah, I really like that. I just saw Call Drogo. 
Goldrogo, yeah, Goldrogo's <laughs> not as fun as uh, as him. Goldrogo's uh, <laughs> very serious. <laughs> so, I was like, there he is. There he is. There's my He's call. Back. Speaking of Duncan Idaho, I do agree with Patrick H. Williams tweeted that uh, one of the only flaws with Dune is that he never said my man. Man. He said, "My boy." That should have been the the character boy. arc. <laughs> he, kept, he kept calling Paul like "my boy," and then uh, the last time he's like, "My man." <laughs> it's it's uh, yeah. He, well, said, he says, "My duke." He yeah, I was just say, my yeah. that would uh, that would really take away from what he calls him the duke. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's true. He does say, "My duke." So yeah, it, he yeah. says, "My lord duke." Yeah, lord, yeah. It's a it's great, incredible <laughs> moment in the book, especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but Duncan has a little bit more time. Outside of fighting <laughs> yeah. in the book. I liked, uh, you talked about this scene at the very end earlier, but I really liked the line, uh, and it's probably in the book, I don't remember. Desert power. No. <laughs> well, <laughs> I have a feeling that's not in the book. <laughs> but uh, I think he does say desert power. In that same way? Uh, no. Like, not, like, it doesn't feel as cheesy. Yeah, <laughs> no. He doesn't say sea power. We are the champions. <laughs> desert Land. power. I don't even remember. Two, four, six, eight. Who do we Desert Desert power. Um, <laughs> now there's a line that, that Paul says <laughs> when <laughs> when <laughs> Jessica <laughs> is uh, demanding to the Fremen or demanding the Fremen get them away off planet. Like you know, we need to get mm-hmm. back into the game, into yeah. like the mm-hmm. political sphere because that's where the power is. That's where we need to actually be. And Paul is like, no, like that is the future. He sees yeah. that there is something bigger at play, but like like this is where I need to be right now mm-hmm. in order to be in the right place later. It's not just move from A to B. Like I need to move over, yeah. over here before yeah. I can go to my destination, whatever mm-hmm. that ends up being. But he says like my road leads into the desert, and I, I don't know. It can be. I guess it's kind of cheesy, but I really, I don't know. I liked it, and I liked how mm-hmm. he like was like, no, this is what I'm doing. Like I'm not, um, uh, not falling into a lot of how other people have led yeah. their houses and things like that. And it lines up perfectly with what his father talked to him about when they were mm-hmm. visiting his grandfather's grave um, mm-hmm. about how he's like, he's like, I sort of found my way into it. And like, and maybe you will talking about how, how great leaders don't want to lead. And that's something we've heard in a million movies, but yeah. uh, I feel like it's, it's represented really well here. And that's something I actually want to touch on because I have been very vocal in the past about how much I struggled reading the book. Mm-hmm. Um, it took me, I think it was my fourth time trying to start it to actually, that I actually got through it. And, and even yesterday I was like, I don't know if I actually got through it. <laughs> like, I think I, I don't remember if, like a lot of what's going to happen in part two. I don't think that's necessarily a, the fault of the book. I think I probably just, who knows? I may have been in a, I may have had a bad burrito. I mean, you know, at the time <laughs> I was listening to the audiobook and I was, I was, uh, like listening to it while doing other things. So there's probably a lot of stuff that I missed. You just didn't I like mean, the voice. It's possible. But I mean, I mean, the audiobook has a lot of different character voices. It's not just yeah. one narrator. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, for real, though, an, an audiobook narrator can make or break uh, a Your lot of things. I, I would um, agree. The, uh, I lost my thought of trains. <laughs> With uh, the I, I, feel that, I feel that way about podcast hosts. So. Oh, <laughs> yes, that's true. I'm that's sure there are no a lot of people that are like, and I can't that's understand. Why, yeah. I can't stand you. That's why I'm that's why still no here. Listens. Why are you still here? <laughs> <laughs> Um, that, that person that stays just to knock it. Yeah, just <laughs> I hate this thing. I listen to every episode. I have. I know that it's a pretty common thing, kind of to point at Paul and say, "Oh, he's just a white savior." My thing wasn't that he was a white savior. Uh, it was that I, he. It didn't feel when I was reading the book, and I'm going to just flat out admit that I'm probably 
I'm wrong. I think I'm wrong. <laughs> um, but I, and because I'm basing a lot of this off of like sort of murky memory. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. My thing was always that he just wasn't uh, that he didn't have any flaws. That everything that he needed was given to him. Yeah. Uh, and he had power. He had oh, he's got a supernatural ability now. He can do this, and he's also this, and he knows five languages, and he's like everybody loves him, and he's this, and all that stuff, and. Um, I just never could relate to him because he didn't have a flaw in my opinion. So something that the movie did for me that I'm sure people that really read the book well uh, already understood. But hey, you know what? I'm here now. I'm discovering it. Uh, you know what? <laughs> Maybe you'll get it's like the, uh, it's like the, the subreddit we were talking about last night with uh, Kavinsky. Yeah, yeah. Um, People, you know, when they hey, when they check this go- out. I, there's a new song. Yeah, yeah, we heard, heard about it last month. And yeah, the month before that. And, yeah. Uh, when they discover Nightcall, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, have you guys heard of Nightcall?" Like, it's <laughs> have you heard this song? Yeah, yes. it's only been posted on the front page seventeen thousand yeah. times. <laughs> so that's this is my Nightcall. Okay, this is this is. Uh, <laughs> Timmy um, just keeps turning around your opinions on himself. It's true. And it's true. other things. It's characters. True. Timmy and I have come a long way. He doesn't realize it, but we have. <laughs> Um, <laughs> one I'm sure day. he's happy about it. <laughs> no, no one day. Um, he hears this. But really, the only reason I hated Timmy <laughs> was because <laughs> Timmy is so good. That's why. Yeah. Also, the fact that I'm calling him Timmy feels really strange. I'm going to stop that. <laughs> but, <laughs> Timothy Chalamet's yes, performance Timothy. in Lady Bird is so good. Randy that I hated, hated him after him. it. And then I fell deeply in love with him. <clears throat> Old Timmy. <laughs> um, when he no, looks like, at you and says, and I'll watch, you can't not follow yeah. him. <laughs> Except Joe, she did. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, I feel like the film really helped me see that it wasn't so much a flaw that he was dealing with. I mean, his flaw is his immaturity, his inexperience. What was interesting to me is that he sees where things are going and he, he is being forced uh, by others. Essentially, every party around him is wanting him to be something that he does not want to be. And I think he foresees this going poorly poorly yeah <laughs> and um and yet he is like you know what i can see the part that i need to play and it's going to be different than what people want it to be and that's going to be a sacrifice that he has to make in this world where everyone has to make sacrifices mm-hmm. yeah. to survive and i i don't know i really appreciated that and i know that that's probably something that is very much in the books but for whatever reason in my read through i just i just i think i got too blinded by the fact that i was just like he just doesn't have any flaws he doesn't have anything wrong with him he just is he's jesus essentially and and he just comes in and and does his thing um but, but jesus like, was great well yeah i'm not <laughs> saying that <laughs> um but uh all i'm saying is yes i the movie made his like shortcomings and issues a little more clear yeah, I think so. Whenever you read it, mm-hmm. I kind of predicted that that is how I'm, you would feel. Yeah. Um, I mean, when I knew when Denis, yes, when when we knew that Denis was taking it on, I was like, ah, he's going to convert me. I'm going to. Uh, <laughs> the only well, thing I'm going yeah. to say about uh, your reading of the book, I have not told everyone that I've pushed that book on, but something that I think is it was part, of, maybe part, not totally part of your like perception of Paul, but. I don't believe Paul is the main character of mm-hmm. Dune. I don't, and he's not. I don't read it as he's supposed to be a good guy. Well, he's definitely not supposed to be a good guy. It's yeah, he's more of fulfilling this yeah, like he's, role. He's just the role that yeah, fate the, has cast. Al Gaib. Then uh, he is. If anything, uh, the book's more about don't follow this charismatic young leader. Look where it's going to get you. 
Yeah. You know? And I mean, the images in the tent that mm-hmm. we see is, um, that's, I mean, it's, that's it's, it's going, pre- yeah. yeah, it's yeah. pretty grim. He's, like he's what seeing he's the future. Be yeah. Looking down on and mm-hmm. knows that that's where he's leading people, but also knows that it's like the sacrifice that he's going to have to make. But so do you see Jessica as the she, lead? Yeah. I almost refuse to even say that I see her as That's the lead. Is, I just say what it is. Jessica is the main <clears throat> character, especially of the first book. I would say Paul would be the main character of Dune Messiah. I, I just straight up think Jessica is absolutely 100% the main character of Dune and how she handles and moves throughout all of these different parties and events that are going on. Because truthfully, there is not... It's less apparent in the movie i think but there's not an area of this story that she does not have a hand in Mm -hmm. and like Mm -hmm. that she is not involved with in some way one thing this is like this is teetering on spoiler but it's in the movie so i'm gonna say it anyway um (laughs) the baron says to the duke very briefly Mm -hmm. he calls him cousin Mm -hmm. yep i heard that yeah he calls him cousin and We'll say the Bene Gesserit crossed some bloodlines for sure with mm-hmm. uh, like all of that. It's revealed in the tent. I don't know if the reason I'm iffy on saying it is because I don't know if they're going to try to play it for a reveal later, but mm-hmm. I'm just going to say it anyway. Yeah. Jessica is a Harkonnen. She's the Baron's like granddaughter or something or daughter that was taken away from the Harkonnens and given to the Bene Gesserit whenever she was very young. Um, and... Paul says that in the tent in the book, mm-hmm. whenever he's having all these visions, mm-hmm. he realizes it's like shown to him that he is Atreides and Harkonnen mm. and that that was the collision of bloodlines that was needed mm-hmm. for him to come about. Mm-hmm. And basically he came a generation early. That's why she's so mad at Jessica for bearing a mm-hmm. son instead of a daughter. Cause the plan was for her to have a daughter and that daughter could have a son. Mm. And it's like he, in the tent, sees all of that and sees that he's early. They're not ready. Like the rest of the universe and all of the parties mm-hmm. are not mm-hmm. ready for him. But he's here. And they're just going to have to like live Figure with it. Too. like Because he's about to mess everything up. I don't even re- really remember where I was going with it outside of a lore dump. But just... It was a great lore was dump. Good point, now yeah. that you say that, I do remember that part. Yeah. It's um, in the tent when yeah. he, he tells her that and she doesn't even know. Like, she doesn't remember where she comes from. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that part is just very, very good. I don't know if Denise planning on dropping that in the second movie, and I just ruined it for everybody that listens to this. I, but, yeah, I mean... It's in it's, the tent in the book. The book has a, been out for years, yeah. so <laughs> I, I think spoilers for this is not really, like, a huge thing. I would say maybe spoilers for the following books because a lot of people... Have not read yeah. the rest of the series. Yeah, they're dead. They're definitely not as um, popular yet. I feel like if he's dropping cousin in there, yeah, they're yeah. not doing that lightly. And yeah, I mean, I just I don't know if he plans on if Denis plans on making that a reveal in part two. But if he does, it's not my fault because he skips <laughs> the part in the book where it is revealed. So mm-hmm. I can't like everything up to the part in the book that the movie ended is now like safe for spoilers in my opinion just because it's like you yeah. know what the we best can't be sure the best be reveal in the tent was what is that the tent was under sand <laughs> <laughs> the best yeah. reveal was them leaving the tent and you go oh. with that little like yeah. sand displacement thing yes that's just like mm-hmm. <laughs> so cool 
one scene that I loved only because it just got me so pumped and then just just deflated me <laughs> um, was uh, remind me her name again the doctor Fremen Liat Kynes Liat Kynes Doctor Fremen Doctor Fremen yeah I'm she, not saying that when they take the fork in the br- in the path in the caves mm-hmm. and she goes out they're like how are you gonna get there and she's like oh, I'll find my way this is my home and yeah. I'm just like oh shoot I can't yeah. remember what happens from here but I know what she's talking about and I'm like ready to see yeah. her ride the freaking worm mm-hmm. and uh, she pulls her hooks out and I'm like. And then she died. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, I forgot she died. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, dang uh, it. I was so excited. Like no, I know that there's later. Yeah. yeah. They did, like, there's another scene later on where they, like, you barely see somebody riding yeah. on one. And then I think maybe in that same moment, you kind of zoom in a little bit further and you yeah. can see somebody. So, but I know that, that that'll become, that'll be part of part two, but yeah. it's still. Is definitely. that her riding it? Yeah. No. No, okay. it was just another. No, she did. Yeah, okay. Yeah, she died right there. Well, that's, that's cool too. Yeah. I just, my brain. No, thought it was her, yeah. but yeah, either way. I yeah. almost think it was a way of kind of making the characters think. Like, because don't yeah. Paul and Jessica see that person? In I don't remember if they're paying attention to that or not, or if that's I just for remember. the audience. Yeah, I can't remember, but either it way. is kind of like for Paul and Jessica or just the audience to be like, you don't realize how in tune with the planet mm-hmm. these people yeah. are. Uh-huh. Like, they are not just living here. Like, they are, like, this is their home. This is, like, they yeah. understand the desert in a way that no one else does. Um, there's a scene. Sorry, I want to. I don't want to be the only one talking uh, about scenes, but uh, there's <laughs> lots of scenes in this movie, and I liked all of them, so I got to get through it somehow. Um, but there's a part where uh, she's picking her handmaiden, or not her handmaiden, but the yes. housekeeper. Yep. And uh, she has an odd name, and I can't remember what it is. Shout out Mapes. It's sh- It's like shadow and shout out. out. In shout out to Mapes. Yeah, it's pretty much. <laughs> Um, and she presents her with the Chris knife. Mm-hmm. I saw a tweet. Somebody was talking about that scene. They were saying, what's the point of this scene if uh, she doesn't tell Lady Jessica that there is a traitor in their house, which I guess is something that happens in the book. It lets on, hey, there's somebody that's going to betray you. They don't really let on that that's going yeah. to happen. They don't, honestly, the movie it, doesn't think it's that important. And and I agree. I yeah. think it's actually not that big of a deal. That's um, Yeah, it's, it is, it's very interesting how little, because, I mean, Traitor or no traitor, the Atreides were put on the planet to be mm-hmm. killed. Yeah, and I think they make that very clear of yeah. like, we so are stepping really into not a trap. Important it doesn't who, matter who yeah, does yeah, it. And I think how they presented it with the doctor and, and yeah. sort of like, and how he sort of redeems his sin by like yeah. putting, you know, the Duke in a really good position to like yeah. Cause some damage, turn the tides. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think was, and helps was really Paul well. And Jessica. Yeah. But that scene, I was thinking this person was arguing, like, what's the point of that scene? Why not just cut it? And I was thinking, there's a moment when she gives her the knife uh, and Lady Jessica says something and she like wails, um, mm-hmm. almost like in shock and terror. Yeah. And she says like, when you've lived with prophecy for so long, revelation can come as a shock. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I thought, man, that's like, it. there's so much weight to that just because of like, you're wrestling with the, as the audience member, you're wrestling with the idea of like, they have this faith that the Bene Gesserit have taken advantage of and twisted yep. for their own means. How much of like this revelation that, that she is like fully bought in on is real and how much of it is just Land prop- you know, propaganda. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And for her to like, you can see how emotionally and, and physically invested she is in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that alone is like, that justifies the the entire scene for yeah, me. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't need any of the other little plot bits at all. Yeah. Yeah. 
I um, thought that was, I don't know if beautiful is the right word, but the way she screams and yeah. just her visceral her performance reaction. Is so good. Yeah. The doctor, the medical doctor. Yes. <laughs> Not the ecologist. The other doctor. Not Dr. Fremen. Diamond Dr. Forehead. The doctor. Diamond doctor. Forehead. <laughs> I really liked him the way it uh it's not a new thing but the sympathetic traitor of it's like yeah. they're they're stuck and they like try to wield what they've done as best they can but the way that what's his the baron the way that he twists his words is so great yeah, I mean, he's like, like a the, genie like, yeah because yeah. he, yeah, he's, he's like floating and everything uh, like if you I mean, do this he is kind of like a yeah. genie yeah. yeah yeah if you do this we'll set your wife free and he's like, you said you'd let my wife go. And he's like, I didn't say that. I said I'd set her set free. Her free yeah. So we'll set and you, you free, too. And you can join her, yeah. 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 Which implies that he uh, he killed her a long time ago. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. it's, mm-hmm. they so were long. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And just all the time, it's like, don't harm Paul and Jessica. And it's like, I won't kill them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, something will. Yeah. <laughs> but they won't die at my hand. Um, yeah. But then these other two fingers were once again not scenes. But <laughs> <laughs> this is how this day. game works, <laughs> Maybe Robbie. Robbie, I requested <laughs> scenes. Okay. Start over. That's it. We're starting this whole thing over. <laughs> they're, they're scenes. They're just like 15-second long scenes. All right. <laughs> the moment has well passed, but there's been multiple times I wanted to make a joke about just like Paul just wants to be with Chani. Like, <laughs> like he's staying around just because of that. And I was going to say, like, my favorite part of the film was seeing on IMAX Zendaya and Timothy Chalamet kissing (laughs) (laughs) art. And then it it cuts. It does, like, a 180 cut. Uh And I was like, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. that's dumb. But one, uh, back to the the box test, because it's all, it all all comes back to the Gamjabar test. Um, Another Denis (laughs) moment. I don't know. Tangents are fine. <laughs> like it can be edited out if it's du- if it's too much of a tangent. No, we embrace tangent. Yeah, yes. that's what <laughs> that's what this podcast is. <laughs> I, uh, one, maybe we've been too structured. We've been too time. structured. Our audience has left because we're just <laughs> actually yeah. talking about movies. <laughs> Our audience they talked about Dune for so long. <laughs> one day the audience is going to show up, and then it's going to leave. <laughs> um. Denis, one, just things I think are characteristic of his filmmaking. So that's one reason. He actually talked about the bumblebees in Blade Runner 2049, where Kay has no idea what a bee is. And so he's just looking at them and walks up and then, like, sticks his hand in. Like, it's he watches it on his hand for so long and is like, it's like a living thing. Mm-hmm. Never seen these. And then, like, sticks his hand in the honey. And then it's like all these bees in his hand has honey on it. And it's like all these things that are so foreign to him, but we know exactly what it is. So it flips it where this completely alien movie to us, the thing that we know we could drive down the road and literally go do if we wanted to get stung by bees. That's what's alien to the character we're watching. Mm. And him talking about that scene, like how much he loved that. 20 seconds of that movie and it's like he had to leave that in there reinforced once again all those little the helicopter cranking up like that stuff is one of the things he cares about a ton like he fights for the no we gotta even if it's not long we gotta sit and see how this functions Mm -hmm. um because that's why sci-fi is good (laughs) the it's social commentary and the weird crap we want to watch the weird crap function yeah, or feel 
Alien or the characters were watching via Alien. This is neither of those things, but a moment that the bee hand thing made me think of. And so after the Gomdra bar test, <laughs> Paul is walking outside and they're about to leave. And he puts his hand in the water and like, it almost is like he's cleaning it. Like it's yeah. his hand that was in the box and he puts it in the water and turns it over. And it's just a really great moment. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not, it's just long enough to not feel rushed, but just yeah. short enough that most people, it's not like a scene that people are like, oh yeah, that scene. Yeah. yeah it's paired with the, the ship rising up out of the yep. water and this, mm-hmm. and I, <clears throat> a lot of that is, I think making a, a connection between like, I'm, this is maybe the last time I'm ever going yep. to fully submerge yep. my hand in water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then the next time when he goes to Iraq is he like, sticks his hand in the sand and does yeah. the same yeah. thing. And he has a the vision whenever he has his hand in the gum jabar. Yeah. Is mm-hmm. the hand it's stopping above the sand uh-huh. and burning. Yep. And then it's like a combination of all those things. It's like he's like washing his hand that was in the box. Yeah. Last time he might get to fully submerge in water, lifting his hand out like the word lifting off and leaving the planet. And, and he stops above the sand that's yes. in the water. Because yes. I thought he was going to, like, grab the sand, uh-huh. like, similar to, like, visions that he's had. But then he, like, stops above it and is like, I'm yes. not to that point yet. Like, I'm mm-hmm. not. This isn't the it's right time water, for me yeah. to, like, take that. So this is why that 10-second shot <laughs> had to be there. <laughs> yeah, had yeah. to be there. So ratings. Let's do it. Dun, dun, One to dun. Cheesecake Factory. Somebody else start. Okay, this is going to be. <laughs> oh, God. Jeremiah, you start. You've been quiet for a while. <laughs> I just want to talk about the spit scene uh, one more time. <laughs> <laughs> just throw that in there. And I liked the little, I liked the mouse in the desert. Yeah. <gasps> okay, I have that was a fun. The cutest mouse ever with sweat all over his ears. I actually have a fun <laughs> tangent about the mouse. I'm waiting for it. Okay. <laughs> so there's a wildlife photographer I follow on Instagram, and I have followed her for I don't know two years maybe. She just takes pictures on like a thousand mil lens where she just like sneaks up as close to animals and then gets these epic close-ups of animals in the wild. Mm-hmm. She also likes to record them if she gets close enough, like has like a shotgun mic and just records the sounds they make. And so she has tons of recordings of squirrels and there's this recording of a red squirrel eating or like just being a red squirrel that she's like three inches away from it. And the sound designer for Dune saw that and like DM'd her. <laughs> and was like, yo, I'm an Oscar-winning sound designer. I cannot tell you what I need this for, but can I use this? <laughs> and she was like, go for it. And so he said they literally just spliced it to like kind of match sound to picture. So they like cut it up and rearranged it. Mm-hmm. But they didn't edit the sound at it's all. The like there's noise. no effects. That's it's cool. like that's just a red squirrel that he saw on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, I thought that was fun restaurant rating yeah i was looking up the name of the restaurant oh, okay <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say it's, uh when i went this one place i can't remember the name of the restaurant i think it's called sea fresh sushi like it's some dumb name it's in ojai california okay and we don't live near california or anywhere that has like good sushi but <laughs> the, uh, the gas station has great sushi. Oh yes, <laughs> sure. So, so my trip to Ojai, what two two years ago now, almost three now. I ate at that sushi place. Got I got some little plain rolls, and I was like, oh, this is what sushi is supposed to taste like. 
uh, with uh, yeah you could actually tell it was like fresh fish for the first time trying it and you're like this is really good this is why everyone loves sushi around the world so yeah i mean it's that i could i could maybe go in more why that's uh my rating for it but take out <laughs> regular regular probably just a regular sushi place in california <laughs> but to me uh it's like oh that's the best sushi i've ever had in my entire life yeah just being from mississippi i think i've got mine jack brown's burgers and beer in birmingham alabama is freaking amazing the first time i ever went i knew nothing i went in with the knowledge that google said it was the best burger in birmingham and i was alone it was like the best meal i've ever had (laughs) um the burger is stupid the fries might be even better and then I had a deep fried Oreo and almost cried. <laughs> <laughs> then I literally, an hour later, ate Jenny's ice cream. So that made it all the better. It was a great day of food. But <laughs> it's a restaurant I went into knowing nothing and it being so overwhelmingly amazing that it hurt my brain and I cried a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and I just could not wait to eat there again. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's... a Literally every time I'm in Birmingham, I'm like, we got a Jack Brown's? It's like 3 o'clock in between meals. And I'm like, guys, we could squeeze in a burger. We could just get some fries and an Oreo. (laughs) Can we just watch the uh, Gomge Bar scene real quick? (laughs) (laughs) And I I also want to see him sniveling and trying to survive on the ceiling. But just those two, I promise. (laughs) Just those two scenes. I so mean, yeah. we're here, guys. Let's just you know. <laughs> let's just sit yeah. down. Let's just sit the rest down. of the movie is only like two hours. Where are we going? Go. Yeah. What, what, what about you, Caleb? I am still trying to figure it out. What about you? Um. <laughs> so I mine's actually kind of like yours, Robbie. It's a little bit of an experience. Mm-hmm. It, uh, this actually this place the food is fine. It's not. It's forgettable. Um. But I used to have a uh, season pass to Disneyland in California, and when you have a season pass to Disneyland. Uh, you just kind of go whenever you feel like it. <laughs> and sometimes you don't go for like, you know, when you go to Disneyland or Disney World, like, mm-hmm. and you're going for vacation, you're like, all right, yep. we're waking up at 6 a.m. <laughs> we're getting to this place. We're getting our fast passes for all these things. We're going to get on the app. We're going to get over here. We're going to go to Star Wars Land first. We're going to do this thing, whatever. We're going to all these places. And you mm-hmm. kind of have it paced out and you have like a, okay, everyone needs to walk at this speed so that we can <laughs> get everything. We're going to stop. We're going to eat the cheapest food right over here, whatever. So like, it's just very planned out and stuff. Mm-hmm. But when you have a season pass, you can go whenever you want. So it is, you can, that all kind of goes out the window and mm-hmm. Disneyland becomes an entirely different place um, that you can just go to for like a couple hours in the like, afternoon. Like an extra downtown. It's an extra, extra downtown, downtown. Yeah. So like there was a point where like I went to Disneyland uh, with friends plenty of times, but there was like, you know what? I'm just going to go by myself today. <laughs> and there's a little spot in, in the little uh, New Orleans area. There's a little like buffet restaurant thing mm-hmm. and they have live music playing there. It's usually like little like string quartets and things like that. Um, but they're always really great. And you can just sit outside and listen to the music. And it feels like you're like in another place and there's mm-hmm. tourists walking around, but it's like somehow magically in the way Disneyland does things like just nestled into an area of the park that just feels like you have escaped mm-hmm. whatever reality you came from. And I loved just going there by myself and eating clam chowder that they had there <laughs> that was just fine clam chowder. It was nothing yeah. special about it, but it was that whole package, that whole experience um, mm-hmm. of just being able to live in that fantasy for a little while that like, I just want to live in the world of Dune, even though it's probably awful, but like they, they, <laughs> yeah. they present it in such a way that I'm just like, I don't want to leave. Like I want to be mm-hmm. here 
and just spend as much time as I can here. So that I'm definitely giving it to whatever that little place is in <laughs> Disneyland. I don't remember what it's called, but the, the little cafe in the fake uh, French Quarter. Yes, yeah, Disneyland. Yeah, yeah. Disneyland in California. <laughs> yeah. That was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> but only if you have a season pass. Only, yeah, if you don't about, have a season pass, you're wasting valuable time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. maybe don't buy that. Uh, there's a better place that's got chicken fingers that's real cheap and easy. You can do that. Yeah. That, uh, <laughs> <laughs> more, Say you had a season pass. <laughs> more on the, Where are you going to go? More on the Disneyland side of that story <laughs> than Dune. <laughs> I feel like. It's not the same as the season pass and just rolling up whenever to hang out for a little while. But the one time I've been to Disneyland was fun because we were there all day, but it wasn't like a big plan. Like we have to do everything kind mm-hmm. of thing. It was like me and two other people. And we were like, this is fun. And I feel like we got a lot done because we weren't trying to. Mm-hmm. Like we just That's kind of secret. strolled over and we're like, yeah, let's do this ride. Uh, I no, let's go. And then it's like, oh, this ride doesn't have a line, like, at all. That was fun. <laughs> like, yeah. Once you've gone enough, you start to learn what rides are not popular at what times. Yeah. And my favorite ride was always just Splash Mountain. Or uh, there was, in California Adventure, there was a, a Rapids ride that I just really liked. So I like the water rides. Yeah. And I you ride them at nighttime. No one goes on them at nighttime because you're going to get soaked. Yep. But, like, so <laughs> there was a point, it was, like, my birthday. I was, like, grabbed a couple friends. I was, like, you guys want to just go ride Splash Mountain as many times as we can? <laughs> and they're, like, okay. So we left at, like, 4 o'clock in the afternoon and then, like, got there and rode Splash Mountain, I think, three or four times to the point where, like, the people there are not supposed to let you just stay on the ride when it's yeah. done. They're supposed to make you get out and go through the line. But that uh-huh. line is, like, yeah. even if no one's in it, it'll take you a good, yeah. you know, 10 minutes to get back through. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and the people were just like, you guys just want to go again? We're like, yes, please. And they're like, all right. <laughs> Look the other way, press the button, and we just went off again. And I'm like, this is amazing. So, yeah. That's awesome. And then we went home. We didn't do anything else. <laughs> we just, like, rode Splash Mountain a few times. That sounds delightful. So I think I got it. I'm going to go with from one to Cheesecake Factory. It's going to be a like Chipotle Moe's style restaurant. We had Moe's (laughs) We did too. Um, Oh, nice. (laughs) Because I feel like it was this, the since I had read the book before the movie, it was like this thing that I'd been waiting on for so long. And I had heard, I was like, okay, this is going to be, stuff and then mm-hmm. i started to get worried close to the end what if i hate this like what, <laughs> what if this is the worst what if this is such a disappointment that i can barely even think about it and i just have to cling to the books and say oh at least this is still good but instead it absolutely blew my socks off and it was amazing <laughs> so that's what i'm gonna give it nice but for for anyone listening i know caleb very well <laughs> His love of Moe's runs deep. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. However much you think a human can like Moe's, you are <laughs> this is this is deeper. It's more than that. It's deeper than that. We're driving to it and me and Randy like just parked right in front of it. And I went, Oh, Moe's. And I was like <laughs> uh, and he was like, What is Moe's? And I was like, I mean it's really good. It's like Chipotle. And then I was like, Look what else is around because he didn't seem excited. I, I was like, look, was. yeah, I was like, look what else is around. I mean, we can go anywhere. We got plenty of time. And then, <laughs> ten minutes later, we're like, just, let's just go to mess. <laughs> and then, like, he's like inside, like, okay, how do we order here? I'm like, you just order a burrito and you put things on the burrito. <laughs> he's like, what burrito? I'm like, the. I mean, there's like a home wrecker one or an even bigger one. He's like, what's home wrecker about it? I'm like, just get the burrito. <laughs> You're making it own. sound like I've never eaten out before. And I'm like, how do I do this? <laughs> Who do I talk to? 
Manager, <laughs> please. Form? Manager. Is there a form? I would like to know more about your ordering system. That's funny. No. Um, well, we have been recording long enough that it may warrant having this split into two parts <gasps> for thematic reasons. Um, <laughs> oh my god! But, uh, any and part any two, last part two takes how like, many years? Quick, to come out, I know, right? quick. Well, I was thinking of splitting this into two parts. Not, yeah, not yeah. like I mean, we'll we'll definitely just call this part one, <laughs> and then <laughs> one day our Dune, children will record. Can part it be two. Dune part <laughs> one? Part, part one. one of two. <laughs> Dude, part one, part one. Part one. Dude, part one, part um, two. The, any like last thoughts? Um, to reiterate, on a scale of one to Cheesecake Factory, it's a, drac- a Jack Brown's Burgers <laughs> and Beer. But specifically, the Gamja Bar test is Mitoro Cheese Dip. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Your lifeblood. That's what Your that scene blood. is. <laughs> If 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 Robbie were uh, a star to car, uh, they uh, they would be it would be cheese dip. Yeah, Portland. That's why we get him ready the way, for battle. The way the they freak out when they cut him open, the sacrifice, and be like, "What is this? This is this isn't right. What is this?" It's like in Star Wars, and they're like, "It's salt." <laughs> yeah. It's queso. The way the way the Baron uh, takes his like oil mud bath. I would um, do that. Me too. <laughs> His oil and vinegar bath that he's yeah, in. Yeah. That's like, yeah. <laughs> Have you ever impressed that out? Figured out how much that would be? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> a full bath of cheese. Like a grand. Mm. Last uh, I mean, last bit of once in a lifetime. lore dump. Okay. Just for the fun of it. The palm trees were put in by the Harkonnens to show that they did not care about the people of Arakeen, which is the name of the city. Um. And there's a dinner party scene in the book that I was very excited about and did not make it unfortunate, mm. but really there just wasn't time. But in that scene, there is a bucket of water at mm-hmm. the door. And whenever the Harkonnens ruled Arrakis, everyone would wash their hands in the water, cup the water, and then throw it on the floor <laughs> to show their like how much, how little they cared about the people and how That's they were just there as for funny as the spit scene. Yeah. Oh I mean, they would that. just like wash their hands in it, <laughs> drop it on the floor and be like, that was a life that we're I gonna, just threw away. And that, like, <laughs> here we go. We're, we're still going. Okay. Um, there's a line in the book early on that, that says, uh, I think it's uh, Gurney talking to him, uh, to Paul about how like, he's not, this is our first mention of Gurney. I know we haven't mentioned Gurney, uh, which I believe the book uh, refers to as a, like, He's a lumpy um, man. A fat lump of a man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So just like, yes, nutshell. just like Josh Brolin. Just a sad like, lump of a man. With a, with a big old scar <laughs> and gross blonde hair is, I believe, how it's yeah. described. But he says, uh, they're talking about like the dangers of, of the planet of Arrakis and how water is so scarce. Like he's, he's reinforcing this idea of like, you're, you don't understand <laughs> Mm-hmm. how privileged you are right now. Like, yeah. water is going to be very scarce. But then he mentions to him, he says, like, because you're the Duke's son, you will never go thirsty. Yeah. Um, that is not something, that is not a reality you will know. But you have to understand that that is at the everyday struggle of the planet, um, which I thought was so interesting. And now in comparison to, like, mm-hmm. hey, we just got this bucket of water, we're going to dirty, and then we're going to throw on the floor mm-hmm. because yeah. who cares? And it's like, yeah, it's a huge thing at that dinner party scene in the book where Leto and Paul and everybody else find out that that's a custom that the Harkonnens put into place. And different people from the planet were invited and 
the Duke is trying to have a conversation with them and meet them and stuff like that. He spazzes. Like, they they get so upset whenever people start doing that. And Man. it's just another one of those things that hammers home how much the Duke cares about life, where the Harkonnens that is. Not. I feel like they had to choose between that and the palm tree scene. Yeah. Because they both sort of get the same point across, yeah. but not well in the same way. The yeah. dinner party scene I just wasn't feasible because it's like three chapters in the book. Like it's a long dinner party and it's incredible, but it would have taken It would have been a twelve angry man in the yes, middle of the like, <laughs> Yeah. It would, have, it would have been very out of place for the pacing and it would yeah. have just taken too long. Like it would have made the movie three hours, like just because there's so much in that whole scene and mm. explaining just so much. I wonder if the because we were talking about the how whether or not the in, importance of water mm-hmm. actually came across to someone who didn't read the book. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that scene would have knocked it home though. Like would have would have really like would have laid into them the difference in the I think it would have massively helped understand like a hate for the Harkonnens, how poorly they did everything and how hateful they are. But it also I think would have helped understand and like side with the Fremen culture a little bit more and like spitting on the table and things like that, I think would have been more clear to everyone and really just would have, it would have put a lot of weight in it, but there just was not time to set up the dinner scene. So I think that's why Denis went with the palm tree scene. I think you describing that sounds like really epic in the like lore sense. And Mm -hmm. I feel like in a book it'd be like, that'd be awesome. Yeah. But I do feel like that might have been on the nose in the movie. Maybe. Especially well, if it was that and the palm tree. It would have yeah, been like, so. oh, this is really heavy-handed. Yeah. And, yeah, could have been. But when it in a book, it's spread out over a lot more yeah. time. In your reading, when you're reading words on a page, I feel like things are less heavy-handed. <laughs> yeah. Because you're only ever being directly addressed by the idea it's presenting you. Maybe it was in there and they cut it, and he cut it specifically it because uh, it made the spit scene less funny. <laughs> he Sand like, power. He's like, he like, you know what's really got to land? we got to cut the whole dinner thing. And they're like, come on, that's like an hour and a half of the movie. And he, he's like, just cut it. We'll have a director. The only time they questioned Denise's judgment was yeah. when he was like, but the spit scene won't be as funny, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you got to cut it. What movie are you making? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Caleb and Robbie, for joining us. This has been a pretty great conversation about Dune. A pretty on like point conversation. We haven't really, yeah. <laughs> haven't really uh, strayed off the path too much. Which you know, nice change of pace. We'll, we'll, we'll. Well, uh, I, d- I did, that next I did episode. what I could. Yeah. You did what you could. Yeah. yeah. When I'm back for licorice pizza, I'll take us on a journey. There you <laughs> go. There you go. Um, all right, guys. Well, this has been fun, and uh, go see Dune. And if you re- haven't already for some reason, and you're listening to this, uh, it's fantastic. Um, oh yeah, it's so good. I don't know why you'd listen to this before, but you know, <laughs> yeah, you know that's whatever. up to you, I guess. Say some people just, you know, they want to hear about it beforehand. Maybe, it, maybe instead of. Instead but, of. Yeah. <laughs> like, maybe we're convincing yeah. them. Yeah, or read yeah, the book. See, if you haven't read it, if you're like great. me, I'm actually pretty pumped to actually get back into the book um, now as a kind of like, now what more can I learn? Um, I and you. and, I and looking books. at it from the perspective of like, you know, Jessica is, is sort of leading this um, yeah. this whole story. Um I'm excited about that. So maybe do that. We have like infinity books, though. Yeah, it's true. But, you know, 
It is what it is. Sorry, you guys. <laughs> this is still going on the bottom. Thanks, everybody. Desert power. Desert power. Desert power. Did I say sand power earlier? You did. You did and once. I meant desert power. But now we got to do it again because you said something mm. other than desert power. No, I know. I just All right, ready. To... The whole, Three, the whole two, thing from one. the beginning, boys. Desert, desert power. power. <laughs>